I think for me, like in the beginning, I was like a classic uh, entitled em- employee. Right? <laughs> okay. So what happens that I will graduate from, I mean, I'll graduate that it. I just look at my pay like, hey, why am I being paid so low, right? Mm. A degree, eh? mm. why am I being paid so low? Shouldn't I deserve more, right? Mm. Then shouldn't, shouldn't like, you know, success fall on my lap, you know? Why, why can't my boss give me like the coolest projects or the best projects? I think like everyone usually starts out that way. Not everyone, okay? a lot of people uh, start out that way. And then eventually like, uh, I started to read more about like uh, economics, started to learn more about running a business. Then I found out like, well, actually business owners, like they, they take on quite a lot of risks, like, you know? Yes. But, uh, I always, so as an employee, you always think like, well, my boss earned more this year, he should give me more money, right? Or he or she should give me more money. But uh, in reality, it's like, why? Why, why though? You didn't take on any other risks, mm. right? Like if I... If the company lost money, then you have just left and you have just, you know, found an job elsewhere. Correct. The business owner will have lost the money. So I think this is like a huge, uh, huge shift in mindset that I, I feel like it's one of the most important things for people to understand. Mm. And, I, and I gained it first when I, not, not even when I started business, when I became like self-employed first. Mm. I think that's when I started to see like, okay, employee, self-employed business, this is like a whole risk to reward spectrum that people must consider. Correct. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firl.co slash free. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Fire Podcast Best Place for Long-Term Stock Investors. You know, uh, usually our guests are very hidden, right mm. John? We kind of have to like introduce them or we have to get them to introduce themselves. But uh, I think the guests today, the guests today uh, do not need uh, much introduction. Especially to Malaysians even. Yeah, and yeah. and even even if you may not know what they look like or who they are, you have certainly seen their work before. There's a very good chance. And uh, these are the two chaps at the Works Ironman, Wei Chun and Rui Ming. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, thanks. Still need to intro, like, I wouldn't say we yeah, don't okay. need introduction, but, but that's very nice of you to say. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I, I, you know, we can always intro ourselves as, uh, you know, I do this, I do that. But I want to get the origin story from both of you and how, you know, growing up, what were some of the money beliefs that you had and then how has that evolved? Some of the sort of important moments or milestones in your life that made you change how you thought about money. So maybe you start with uh, Rui Ming. Yeah, so I think growing up, I think my family always like emphasized like living below your means. Right. Uh, I remember like during the 1997 crisis, you know, back then, Asian economic crisis, like there's a period of time that, you know, in primary school, you wake up like around like six to, to go to school, right? That's I remember right. like, so, so in primary school, 
we will wake up around like 6 a.m. to 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 go uh, go to school every day, you know, breakfast, all that stuff. I remember like for that year or like or a few years after that, I always remember like waking up to my parents arguing about money. Wow. Right? Yeah, because that was like a really tough year uh, for them. So I think like that really shaped my uh uh impression of what money was, even though I didn't really understand it at the time, but I didn't know like it was important because you know. Why else would they be arguing at 6 a.m. Uh, mm. And then I mean, then they will come and check on me. Then I'll like pretend to, to sleep, you know, all, all that stuff that you see in, in the movies, like you know, like that that kids do. Yep. So uh yeah, my my, my parents always emphasize like uh frugality. I think many people think that uh we come from like a wealthy background, right? I mean, uh I've always because whenever we post about all this growth mindset or like yeah, all the big wealth thing, people will assume like, oh, this person parents got money one like it's so easy for him to, to to talk about this because maybe like the dad was like a manager last time you know the mom was like some uh, business director but actually my parents came from like really humble backgrounds like and i'm saying like really really humble like. i think my mom was like uh she came from like a kampong uh back in the 60s she was like selling flowers for a living oh. yeah and like she only has like two PSLE like no, no, I don't pay like yeah, I don't pay salary, like which is your like primary school leaving examination. Yep. She only had like two passes. So, so she didn't even go to like a polytechnic or, or whatsoever. I think my dad, he only got a diploma and something compared to many of uh, my peers, right? I think they were considered like under undereducated uh, for that time. Mm-hmm. So uh I think growing up, I, I saw like how they really wanted to kind of stretch the dollar for as long as possible. So I remember like my parents buying a condo, right? Uh, during, I mean, a few years before the economic crisis. And they really screamed and saved, like, you know, they uh, they bought like, they also bought like a very like uh, thrifty, very uh, almost going to break down car. Okay. Right? And we, we never really lived, lived in a condo and, and we rented that condo out until, you know, uh, the last few months where it got on block lah. Especially so my family has never lived in a condo all the way until maybe uh 2020 and only for like three months or something. Okay. Oh. And, and my dad said something like, okay, it's time to enjoy now, you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Because like most people, parents, they will grow up like living in a condo, right? But mm. my parents were supposed to live in a HDB like all the way. Uh my dad, you know, he would live, he would like never have like fancy clothes. My mom also. So I think growing up, like thriftiness was something that was really uh emphasized to me. Like. Great. Right. Great. So Wait, I need to translate something first. Also. So okay. Rick mentioned condo, he mentioned car, and he mentioned HDB. So in Singapore specifically, right, because of land scarcity, right? Yeah. And also uh Singapore's kind of uh the transport ministry's perspective on cars, right? Cars are incredibly expensive in Singapore. Yep. And condominiums, which is alternative of HDB, which is the, the housing development board, basically government uh I don't know how to say sold or leased units with yep. a 99-year-old yep. yep. lease, right? right? So condominiums are super expensive also, like yeah. typically. So what Rimi is saying that they bought it for investment purposes, right? Not not to Im- to enjoy. As <laughs> yeah. I, I think like now it's a pretty like uh, dated concept, but for that time, I think it was like groundbreaking, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I can actually buy a condo and not live in it. I think yes, it, yes. It, wow. it blew a lot of like their peers' minds. And yeah. keep in mind, like, I think my parents, uh, the max my dad earned, uh, 
was around like 3.3.5k, 4k in, in Singapore money, which is not a small amount, but I think compared to many of his peers who were, you know, management degrees, they were earning like 12k, 20k. Mm. Yeah, I think to really afford like investment at that, at that time, because like, my mom also earned like, my, my mom never earned more than 2.5k. Wow. wow. Yeah, never ever. I mean, throughout the 40 years that she has worked, like she has never crossed that mark. I remember her like, uh, the day I started work, she told me like, hey, Ming Ming, you know, mama actually uh, saved a lot of money for you over the years. If, if, if you want, uh, I, I can give you. And then she said, oh, I, I saved out like 5,000. 5, and that really uh, oh. broke my heart because like, I remember thinking like, wow, my mom worked so long, she saved 5K. And then some of my peers were earning 5K straight out of the- Starting salary, of, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was there was really like a, a marked difference on 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 how my parents chose to spend their their money, la. Yeah. To Great. get to get a sense, right? Like uh, uh, Chun was mentioning about the difference between HDB and condo, because to I think a non Singaporean, yeah. they 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 are kind of the same, right? They are box in the sky, yeah. Actually. But, <laughs> but and also in Malaysia, right? Poor poor people stay in condo, and then rich ah. people stay in landed. Yes, yes, and yes, I, yes. I appreciate Wei Chun giving that perspective, la, But what's the price different. differential like for us yeah. Malaysians who may not be aware? Okay, so my parents bought at that time. I think it was nine ninety one. They bought their HDB at around I think 60 k. HDB sixty k. I think the the condo my dad told me before it was three hundred k. Wow, 5X. Uh. 5X. <laughs> no, the impressive thing is that, that, that he did it on a 3.5, 3.3K yeah. salary, right? Hats off. Uh. But they really like yeah. super, super kiam about things. Uh. Right, right. Okay, yeah. okay I, I want to, I actually have a lot more to ask about that, I think, but I need to ask more about Wei Chun. Because yeah. uh, I know Wei Chun, uh, you're from Malaysia, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yep. So what, what, what was a seven-year-old uh, Wei Chun and his money beliefs like, you know? <laughs> Actually, not much. I didn't start thinking about money, but there were a lot of things about money that I was very aware of, especially because... So when I was seven years old, right, um, my mom pushed me on a bus, huh? on a school bus uh, at 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, and it took that, me to Singapore. Yeah. And then I had a sort of a, a lanyard around my neck and then my passport was dangling on it. And she said, never ever take it off because you lose your passport. You get stuck in Singapore. And I was terrified. I cried on the way there. Wow. I didn't know what was going on. They shuffled me to a class. And then that was my life from seven until 16 years old. Mm, so wow. it was a life where, I mean, uh, Remy was talking about weekend at six. I woke up at 4.30 on average. And then I would um, basically go peak traffic in the morning, travel to Singapore. And then um, after school, after CCA, everything, come back home, I will reach back home at about 9 p.m. And that was my life from about seven to 16 oh, years old. Yeah. And the reason why my mom sent me there was that well, my dad as well, but I think my mom really pushed for it, was arbitrage, was that she understood that education is better in Singapore. I'm not <laughs> even going to argue. La. I mean, we are not arguing specific either. differences yeah. and whatever, generally speaking, right? Yeah. So I paid a lot more school fees, uh, but, but the education that I got, I believe uh, was better. La. My, my brother and sister who are nine and 10 years older than me in Malaysia, they grew up in Malaysia. They studied in Malaysia. They went to private Chinese schools in Malaysia. Ah. So their, their, their cultural exposure and their educational exposure are very different from me. La. I see. So, so this thing about money, right? When I got pocket money, I always understood that my parents earned this money. It took them a lot of effort to earn. And when I go to Singapore, that the effort is diluted uh, by three times uh, or mm -hmm. 2.5 times uh, last time. Back then, yeah. And then, then the idea of exchanging and arbitrage was always very clear to me. Like, and I'm, 
I'm very grateful for that, but also it's, it's made me kind of grow up very ambiguously. I, I, I feel half Malaysian, half Singaporean. When I <laughs> when I go to Malaysia, people say I'm like Singaporean. When I go to Singapore, people say I, I, I'm like a Malaysian in terms of how I behave and stuff. So so one of the most like vivid memories of my mom talking about money, actually it was not a very frugal one, but I like her perspective on it. She, I, I wanted to save money and not buy stuff or whatever when a peddler was coming up to us and set, selling something on the streets. Yeah, okay. And then my mom said, because she's saying, let people earn a bit, it's okay mm, because uh-huh. it's the economy, it's the exchange anyway, right? Yeah, so yeah. money out, money in and then vice versa. So she always never, she always told me, don't need to be afraid of spending on things you have to spend. Things like, you know, you buy nice or you buy twice. So buy good quality stuff. Otherwise mm. you spend more money in the long term. Mm. And also things like just being okay with spending money to 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 let the economy roll. But also you see money going out, it also encourage you to go and earn money. Lah. Mm. You know? So yeah. so that was kind of my perspective when I was young on money. Lah. But that was little change. Lah. So mm-hmm. am I right to say that your mom had a much bigger impact than your dad when it comes to like money beliefs? Well, my dad actually was was not around a lot when I was uh, home, when I was a kid because he was overseas. He went to China, uh, US a lot to earn money and stuff. Lah. So, so I learned money from him from a much later point of view, from a much more like entrepreneurship, like, cause he was a manager and like, uh, he ran the company and stuff. So I would learn from him that stuff. And my dad is a hardcore hustler. Like, like he yep. didn't grow up rich. Also, his dad was a immigrant from China and his, they cut hair and stuff. And then my dad did all kinds of random shit. Like, uh, he would go on the causeway and, and, and did all the logistic shipment forms and things. Wow. Yeah, at one point he sold bras. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> he cut hair also, if I remember correctly. So my mom also hustler on, I mean, like similar to, to, to Rimming side. I mean, she, she actually studied extremely well, but she was forced to drop out at, Form five, or is it primary five? Primary five, la, like okay. I mean, 10 years old. She did very well at school. She showed me on her report, doing very well, but she had to drop out because um, her family needed help and she would sell clothes at Pasar Malam with her sister. Yeah. So, certainly not that privileged, but they did okay. They ran businesses and stuff. So, I think we are upper middle la, or, or middle ish in Malaysia. I see. Certainly. Right. Um, what's your perspective? I mean, this is a very interesting thing about your Johor, the Johor Singapore, really. I, I, yeah. I was stationed there for quite some time. and are uh, station? you army. Uh, yeah, because no, <laughs> it sounds so army-ish. <laughs> close, la. close, la, close, close, close. Because I, I, uh, I was working for Shell and a lot of the projects that we had to build was actually built in uh, Pase Gudang. So oh, during projects okay, okay. that, uh, yeah. So I, I actually stayed for about two, two the, my latest posting was two and a half years in Permas. Mm, so mm. there's always this dilemma because mm. my, my daughter attended uh, a private school uh, in, in, in Permas. But then after that, what? A lot, of, a lot of families have this. So do you think it was worth all the sacrifice for, and should kids in Johor today still go through that sacrifice in your opinion? So, so I have a lot of friends and, and uh, class. So, so there's a whole generation of kids, right? Mm. That we grew up being border kids. Uh, basically, we yeah. just commute every day. Correct. Mm. That was our life. And, 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 there is a price to pay. The price is that I'm actually culturally quite distant from my family there. Ah. And I'm here in Singapore now. I've been here for two plus almost three years without ever going home. I used to go home every two weeks. Just go go back to Johor then just spend some time with my family, go to my room, drive a car around and stuff because car cheap in Malaysia, right? <laughs> my mom just bought me a new Axia for what? 20k ringgit or yep, something like yep, that. Yep. Right? Which is unbelievable. So I just go home to drive around because I love driving <laughs> but Singapore is so expensive, right? So... 
about this thing about like uh, the impact on your kids and stuff. I think like economically, uh-huh. uh, educationally, it's good, uh, right? Your your kids get a much more uh, educated at a much uh, internationally recognized level. Okay, but the cost is a lot of times culturally you are quite distant, but. I've also had friends who just go back to Malaysia after this and they're very close to their Malaysian side and they just earn money here. I see. And they commute every day or every week. Okay. So it also depends where you want to draw that line. But I am certainly quite... I regret a lot sometimes. That's one of the reasons why I feel like buying a car sometimes because I can just go back and spend more time with my family. I see. Right. I feel like my dad might not be around very long. My mom might not be around very long. That kind of thing. Then I just see photos of them over the pandemic. Oh, my dad, the hair like getting whiter and whiter and I'm not there to... You know, I also feel like like, like crap. Uh. Mm. And that, that is kind of some of the price that you might have to pay. But, you know, people always in Singapore say, I don't don't feel sorry for these Malaysian people who are stuck here. They're not stuck here, first of all, because uh, they're earning three times salary. Yeah. This is all true, right? The, the nature of arbitrage and how I earn money here, I go back, I spend very senang, very siok one, right? But um, first off, I never complained about it. This is why I don't like it when now I've got a lot of newspaper articles and I come out and say, oh, this Malaysian is very poor thing. Because some, some of these people will come out and say, ah, don't, don't feel sorry for them. I never ask you feel sorry for me. I'm just sharing the thing that somebody <laughs> asked me to say. All right? I never ask you feel sorry for me. So it's yeah. a very conflicting thing. Uh, and also right. the, the idea of economy and culturally, right? Singapore and Johor is intertwined extremely yes, tightly together yes. in a, a way people, that yeah. a lot of people don't say or understand. Yeah. You know? economically got a lot of this kind of political rumorings going on in Johor also like oh we don't need Singapore money look the the, the fact is Johor has uh, I think done very well economically in large part due to Singapore's its proximity to Singapore Singapore money flows into Johor and it also affects a lot of other people in very adverse ways so if you don't earn Singaporean money if you don't do a business that earns from Singaporeans coming in yep. or Malaysians that work in Singapore and coming here, you are relatively poorer compared to some of your, your peers who might do businesses that 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 touch into that three times uh, difference. Uh. Exactly. So, so now a lot of things are intertwined and also like very divisive about yeah. the two. Uh, yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it, right, I didn't know that we'll be, be talking about this on the pod, right? Which is actually the experience of um, and I want Reming's thoughts on this as well, right? The experience of a Malaysian working in Singapore, some of the things, mm. some of the unspoken things maybe you experience, uh, you know, in Singapore as a Malaysian. And of course, as a Singaporean, you know, as a Singaporean, how, how have you found, you know, operating and working with uh, Malaysians, Malaysians yeah. uh, in uh, Singapore. <laughs> I have a lot of friends in Singapore. Yeah, because we hear stories <laughs> and all that. So, but it's just our experience <laughs> and all that. Finger wagging is it? So, you know what, okay, before he say, uh, let me say, Ring has some of the best and most hurtful, not hurtful, like very sharp Malaysian jokes. Oh, 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 okay. okay. So, so, yeah, 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 I take it in my stride, but, but he, uh, he's not disrespectful, but yeah. this okay, dude okay. Is, is very witty when we yeah. Malaysian okay, jokes. I'll, I'll disclaim, I only... I only tell Wei Chun the Malaysian jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. are, yeah it's I, good, it's good. I will not go to like a uh, random Malaysian person. Like, my hey, hairstylist. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll mess up my hair. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, don't play with your hairstylist. But I think like, uh, I've come across like, quite a lot of like Malaysians in like, like during the workplace. I think one thing I've, I've noticed is that, uh, they either, I always found they either like love Singapore a lot, or they like really, really dislike Singaporeans. And like, how in a way? I mean, they they also think like, oh, Singaporeans have it so easy. You know, I, mean, I have to come all the way here, uh, make all these sacrifices, leave my family. And then here, you know, there's this like privileged Singaporean born in a rich city and be- behaves like an asshole and probably like make jokes about me behind. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably is true. Yeah, but then yeah. I think like uh, I've experienced like both, and I would say like uh, the the latter's mindset I can kind of kind of understand, right? Because I think uh, growing up in in Malaysia, and I'll find like a lot of these people are. Malaysian, Malaysian Chinese. Yeah, yeah, right? yes. So, so they will, they will try to leave uh Malaysia because they feel that things are. Well, I'm trying to tell the line here. Yeah. Things are not. <laughs> no, not, it's okay. We're we're we're, 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 we're pretty non-PC. I think, uh. I think I think the way we put it yeah. is uh, the pastures are always greener on the other side. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah. they feel that the pastures are, are greener in Singapore. Yeah. So I think uh yeah they do feel that a lot of Singaporeans have it easy and Singaporeans are very. Uh, sheltered and you know uh, we take a lot of things for granted mm. so I think that is what I sense uh, a lot of those uh, Malaysians to be like. but also, also sometimes like it can be quite hostile that, you, that I can sense like the, the attitude you know what I mean really? like, I, oh. yeah I know this and like you can I always feel like you can kind of tell like this person like dislikes me because of like the the way the way the way they behave around you and like the kind of mannerism. So I really, really like it's not an enjoyable experience for me. Like. I mean knowing that someone secretly like, you know, of course, not secretly of like, like uh harbor some kind feel yeah, you feel that they've harbor some ill yeah, or yeah intentions. I mean my experience with like the other type of like Malaysians is like a lot more chill, you know, they I, I in my experience like you know they come from like I don't know, like Penang, okay or then we can just talk like normally, you know, there's no Ooh. like there's no underlying animosity, I, I feel. Wait, that's inside. That's really yeah, inside. So wait, 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 sorry, sorry. So wait, wait. So those from Penang and KL, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no problem. The other states, maybe. Am I right to say oh, that? So you're saying state is the difference, uh, dude? No, no, I mean, in my experience, <laughs> not okay, okay. No, no, I've not heard before. So it's very interesting. My friends from like, not from KL and, and not from Penang, they, they, they can be quite uh, a lot. Also, you're saying the first one, so I'm the first one, is it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> back, like, uh, I think two years ago, I lived with, like, a Malaysian guy, and then he, he said he was, like, from Selangor or something. Oh, he just hated my guts for, really? for, for some reason. I mean, it, it was really animosity. It was really, like, unpleasant. Oh. Uh, I could be that you're renting together. Yeah, yeah, renting together. So like, I mean, I also don't want to spend so much money on my room, right? Yeah. So he will rent like the common bedroom in a in a HDB flat. Then I'll rent the, the master bedroom. Okay. And I think sometimes my girlfriend will come over and then he stays in the common bedroom with his girlfriend. And then I think he went to complain to the landlord, like, hey, how come Raymond can bring his uh, girlfriend over to the master bedroom? Then I'm like, dude, I rent the master bedroom. Eh. If anyone, <laughs> anyone should be complaining, it should be me. But yeah. I was like, I but I just felt like there was some sort of like, yeah. Unsaid uh, bitterness. And then the guy, I mean, sorry, Rachel. I mean, he wasn't from Johor, but he wasn't from KL or yeah. I think he was from like Ipoh or something. Or uh, I, 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 all right. So, so you're just saying your personal experience. Yeah, yeah, my, I don't I, think I, you're saying yeah, like, yeah, oh, Ipoh yeah. one, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, Johor yeah, yeah. one cannot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just saying like that there is some animosity towards uh, Singaporeans, at least from the yeah. from the military side. Yeah. But it might not be because you are, it, it could be, that's why I say, because you're renting there, because I also rented with my good friends and we ended up like having big big fights and stuff because sometimes renting together just makes it oh, a yeah. difficult really? situation, yeah. okay. right? So, so I, I think you, you won't say that it's because you are Singaporean that he exhibits yeah. this type of behavior. Yeah, yeah, it's just right? yeah, I think, so the renting is like, I would say like it's one example, but I mean, they're also like, 
other instances lah that like I right, feel right. like there's some tension, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. About uh, I saw your question. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to segue into how did you both cross path? Yeah. <laughs> In a way, it's like. How do you bump into each other, and and where where do you guys get the idea of you know starting this? Actually, anyone wants to start? <laughs> I will say how we met, and then Remy, you can say how <laughs> the work salary man started. Yeah. So Remy and I met in polytechnic. We were ah, I think Nian, 18, is it? Nian Poly, yes. Okay. Uh, 18, 19 years old. We were studying mass communications. Yeah. Uh, and actually we never worked together. Lah. It's just, uh, actually we were in different cohorts as well. Okay. I, I just happened to be doing my internship at school. Basically you could do an internship either with a company outside or you could do it as part of like, a, we have our school newspaper, school magazine, school radio station and stuff. Then you can do it as part of the internship that you are a, almost like a full-time designer or full-time writer for that publication kind of thing in school. Mm. So I did that. So he at the time was also writing for the school, I think magazine ah. or newspaper. So I was the designer. So he would just sometimes make his way into the office. And then we just hang out. Uh, I, I was doing handstands. And I think that was what <laughs> you remember. Because last time I was in the gymnastics. And stuff. So uh, I was doing handstands like, at night when I was like very stressed out from work and shit. Then wow. he would just hang out also. And I remember one of my earliest memories with Raymond was that I don't know for what forsaken reason he asked me to do this with him. He said, Why not, hey, you want to throw plastic bags filled with water down from the, the building? So our the, the, the near media fun. level is like, I think level 9 or level 10, very <laughs> high up. So he just found plastic bags. We went to the toilet. Then he had to Fill keep up. pushing, fill that, then throw it down and it made this tremendously like, bah, 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 yeah. noise. I don't know why it's just a hilarious thing. We're giggling like like little little kids, and it's just just a very ringing thing to do. And we, <laughs> we just we hung out socially as friends for a while. Then eventually we started becoming more money minded and stuff. And then Rimming is also very financially savvy. Like he mm. knows all this stuff. I'm still not a big fan of personal finance. Honestly, I just draw the content and I try to relate to um, the layman perspective. Mm. But Rimming has a lot of the more technical. So whenever I wanted to ask questions about investing, I'll just ask Rimming. Uh, then eventually we talked about, hey, let's make money somehow together or something. And then I we see. also had a lot of grievances about content because we're both content makers. Yeah. Mm. So maybe Rimming can take over. How do we start? How do you start work salary, man? So, so how we started work so man was like uh I think we would okay, so we would get it around like after we left. Okay, sorry, I'm very bad at this. Okay. So Rachel and I worked in a company together called Mothership. So it was a new site. Ah, Mothership, yes. So we worked there for like, I think like three years or something. No, I think two years, three it's, years. It's like it's like SAS in Malaysia, something like that. Yes, I really yeah. like the series they have now with uh Andrew. Yeah, uh, the one yes, where he yes, was the the, the Tauke, then he interviewed uh, the Tauke. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah, okay, continue. So we worked in Singaporean sales for I think two to three years. Then after that, uh, I think we both left for uh different jobs, lah, right? But then like Rachel and I would remain friends and we would talk about like what makes good content often and uh how to make money. So I think like every time we meet up, we will we will just talk about then there'll be like some silence, then we'll be like, hey, how to make money. So I think that was like a recurring <laughs> thing. Mm. So we had this idea of like, you know, what if we uh uh, why we're able to break down personal finance into something so easily understandable mm. that, that people could easily understand it. I mean, like, like people could get it, right? So if you could explain personal finance, you could probably do it for many other things. And our intention was to use Vogue Man as like a portfolio piece 
to kind of show clients like, hey, you know, actually, uh, y'all think we knew where I've actually know eh, we got this, we got this page called Wolf Ceremony, actually, uh... we're pretty decent. So the idea was that then we would sell people like either our consultancy services or we sell people like courses on how to create content. I see. I yeah, see. But I think along, along the way, it, it just took on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got like sponsored content and we just thought like, okay, you know, maybe you can try doing this instead. And then two years later, here we are. Okay. I just, just want to peel one layer off. Among your peers and your friends, right? Like, you know, Wei Chun says that he's, he's kind of a noob into investing and all that and he refers to Remain You. Among your peers, out of your 10 peers, how many Singaporeans actually talk about money openly? I'm just very curious. Money, investing. Yeah. Yeah. I think depends when you're asking. I think maybe like three years ago, nobody talked about money openly. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's I mean, for all the reasons like, you know, uh, in Asian cultures, we, we don't want to boast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you interest Asian or it's not property one, then you always, hey, look at all my money. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the normal person, if they are not insurance agent or real estate agent, they are, they are not like that, like, right? Okay. Uh, I think during the pandemic, everyone got locked up, then everyone got like money from the government. Then, you know, people started to talk about money. I think attitudes started changing. I see. Everybody wants to talk about investments, investments. But before that, they needed to settle like emergency fund, right? Uh, before they can leap into, you know, uh, crypto, S&P 500, you know, stuff like that. So I think the attitudes of money among Singaporeans, and I think the whole actually has has really changed during, during COVID-19. Mm. I mean, you can see like in America, there was like a sudden explosion in popularity of like Robin Hood during the pandemic. Oh, because yes, yes. People who didn't travel, they didn't like go to cafes, they just stay at home and they, they invested. Right, yeah. Wait, wait, Chun, I mean, in your family, is it taboo to talk about money? Just curious. Is it taboo or is it frowned upon or is it like, wow, why are you so materialistic? Ah? Like, yeah, not really, the, the, yeah. yeah, not really. My family, my family is hustlers. Ah. Oh, so. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing for me to say, but, but actually, a lot of people in my family, ah, I think like three or four, they are doing herbal life. Oh, okay, you know okay, MLM. Okay. Yep, yes, yep, yes, yep. yes. So yes. it's it's a it's a weird thing for me to <laughs> to contend with, and a lot of people might judge me for it. Yeah. Uh, because like it seems like well, it's a dicey thing, like, I mean, to say the least. Yeah. Right. And my family is convinced in it, and it certainly changed their lives, uh, for the better mm. from what I see. Uh, so it's a. Money is not a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, I don't know if they can talk to me about stocks and investments and ETFs uh, and things like that. I see, and I actually see. like following to your previous question also, it's quite interesting to, to see how things have changed when it comes to younger people talking about finance. Correct. Because in my days growing up, I'm an old man. Uh, okay, I'm not. I'm a 32. Uh, I remember 32. You're talking to a dinosaur here. Okay, okay sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, this <laughs> sorry, sorry I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Please don't say old man again. Yeah, I would say old man. Just kidding. Like, just like kidding. when I was in secondary school, like 16, 17, right? Yeah. I would, nobody would talk about money, you know? Like, mm. it just like, last week I was on a bus and I saw like kids talking about money, like, like secondary school kids in mm. uniform talking about investing. Eh. Wow. Not saying good or bad, but I just feel like the image around money has changed socially. Like, mm. hey bro, we got to invest in this or not. Hey, do you look at that? Or hey, I hear this thing is going out, this thing goes down. It has become a thing that more people are talking about socially. Mm. I didn't think it was like that in the past. Bef- be- before it was more like, 
a more underground or kind of a nerd kind of thing, you yeah. know, yeah. Right? where you talk about money so openly. And I and I can recall a conversation that I had at Rimming that um, we went out with some other friends with ours. And actually, I remember this very clearly. It was a handlebar uh, restaurant Rimming. And right, it was us two and then a few other friends. And we were dominating, I think, a part of the conversation talking about money and politics mm. and economics. And I realized halfway through, I looked around the table. Everybody's bored. Eh? It's just like two of us <laughs> talking intensely about money. So still, even though you know younger people get into it, it can be a very socially like... Um, I don't know, like it excludes people as well. Understand. <laughs> no, the, the reason- it might make people feel like, well, I never, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, so just yeah. like, am I falling behind? It's doing concern money or so. Am I just very lousy? So I think breaking down the, the barriers of entry is, is extremely important. That, that, that's I the reason why I was, sorry, sorry, Remy, go ahead. Actually, I, I think there's another thing at play here. You know, most people just talk about like price action. They just talk about Huh. What price yes. is it? Yes, yes, uh, yes. We're not talking about why it's increasing or yep. like the, the, the fundamentals. Factors. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's very easy to talk about price. Like, I mean, today I can say, oh, you know, my my uh my big Terra go down. Yeah, Terra go down, right? But actually, like beyond that, there's no really there's no understanding on why blockchain is being uh, adopted, why crypto is being adopted. So I, yeah. I I think like that's that thing to consider. Also. Uh, yeah, I I actually it was a leading question because you guys came into the conversation and said, how do you, you were finding ideas on how to make money and then you guys stumbled upon personal finance. So I was trying to deep deeper to why did you guys focus on personal finance as content creation versus other things? Was it something very personal to you people? Was it something that uh, 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 you felt that there was a trend that was changing? That That's why you, because you guys at the core, you guys are content creators and, and why personal finance? There must be some, Reasoning, I, I I don't know. Did I? Did. I I don't think it was ever a clinical thing where we sat down and then we crossed things off that didn't match it. I think mm. we all tried different things. I also tried doing comics about different things. Mm. So I'm not the best. I, I draw most of the things. I'm the art director of the 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 the, the comic. I'm not the best comic creator. Rimming, I don't want to speak for him, but he also wouldn't say he's the best number one writer out there. Mm -hmm. And also when it comes to financial knowledge, we are not the most technically savvy. Mm. Uh, or most financially literal, or we know everything about finance. Yeah. Uh, we are, I think, pretty okay content creators. Mm. But it just, the, the sweet spot comes in merging all these things together. I so, see. You see, there are a lot of other things that we're interested in. We're, uh, uh, we're interested in history. Mm. We're interested in uh, things like, uh, like Rui Ming, for example, he can talk your ears off about World War II. Oh, you got, uh, you got a fan he, ears. Fan oh, yeah, year too. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loves that stuff and yeah. I learned so much from him when it comes to, since he was in the Navy and then he talks to me about like the the the, the, the first time where the Japan met uh, the US uh, in battle. Yeah. Uh, sorry? Russia, Russia. Russia, yeah. So so all these things are, and it's so fascinating. That's why we love things like Attack on Titan because it combines all these things uh -huh. together. Mm. And do you, wait, do you guys like the ending? Have you seen that? Watch the manga. Do you yes, like yes, it? we have, and we talked extensively about it. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah I'm okay with it. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm confused personally. It's a, it's a I'm waiting for the anime so that I can understand it. Uh, it's better than Game of Thrones, I think. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes, sorry to cut you yeah, off. So, so yeah. we can, we can't choose to create content on history. Yeah, but we also need to think about sustainability. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm exactly. not ashamed to talk about this. Uh, okay, yeah. there are very few things that can make money. Yeah. Right. So, uh, there's. I used to. Uh, after I left mothership, I went to a med tech firm, and uh, it talked. Uh, it, we, I I learned all this stuff about urology, which is basically kidney stones and erectile dysfunction. Okay. Not a very sexy field, you know, for an artist, but okay, quite sexy also. But you know, but uh, 
that's where the money is. That's why I realized, oh, yeah. you know, like, things are in, money is in things that people are reluctant to go to. So, finance is one. Yeah. Real estate, uh, medical. Insurance. Uh, insurance. This this kind of thing. La. So, yeah. money happened to be something, I think, uh, our personal finance happened is something that we had in common that we thought, you know, actually can, can do something. Else. Because mm. if you can make good content out of uh, personal finance, you can do that for a lot of things. And actually what we do with the comics is we take something very complex and very boring and we make it interesting and less complex. Yeah. So you imagine doing that for medical, yeah. for real estate, for history, you know, a lot of things you can apply that to. Yeah, right. right. Actually, we also my biking, my, but very hard to make content on that for now. Yeah. yeah. My personal favorite was the the one with the sea and then everyone's swimming mm. in the sea and then you climb at the first base, which is just like, just beating inflation and you want to climb oh, the, the mountain of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, for me uh, and MJ, you know, as content creators, uh, we, we, we know when you see something is so simple, you get it straight away. Right. These mm, are yeah. the kind of content we crave uh, to be you honest. You show, you show, but and don't tell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thing. You don't even exactly. need to have a long caption. Yeah. You see? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to get uh, your reaction on the, f when you realize you are blowing up, man. Right, like most uh, most people don't create content. I won't speak for you guys, of course, but most people don't create content with the intention of, uh, you know, like it's gonna blow up today or tomorrow. So yeah. when it happened, right, what what was it like? The the first post that got really big. You also remember? <laughs> you got them oh. dumbfounded. Oh. Oh, really, really. Yeah, actually, like our our first post did they go viral. So like the first post, I think out of it was like 6K shares already. Okay. So I think it was about how to save 100,000 before you turn 30 or something. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that was the first big one. Mm. And then after that, I remember Rachel and I just met and then we were like, actually, we got something here. Should we try to uh, continue and see how far, how far we can take it? Mm -hmm. that, yeah, we just uh, kept thinking of what would be interesting for our audience to know or like we 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 try to publish something that we felt was like uh hot takes la, you know mm -hmm. or, or people will say you know for example people always say oh money cannot buy happiness then we're like mm, not really you know there's there's something there that, that you never really explain right so i think that actually let us down like uh the path of co regular content creation mm. I, I think the thing about content creation like i think many people can create a good piece of content okay we have really a lot of people uh, but I think to do it religiously and consistently for yeah. you know two three years or even like you know longer than that, I think that is the hard part because uh, it's about being uh, creative like consistently, right? And also mm. like stick to it, so also battling like uh, your insecurities. You know, sometimes we feel like ah, the work not good enough. You know, should we just publish? Uh. Many content creators don't do that. They just, I mean, that's why they're like, uh, not one hit wonders, la, but they, they are not as viral as they should be, right? Because mm -hmm. all these, all these barriers like uh, blocking them. I, I think for us, uh, Wei and I are a great combination because Wei Chun is a perfectionist in, in many ways. He takes a lot of like pride in, in, in the world. I mean, not, not to say I don't have, la, but like, I'm more of like a deadlines guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll be like, Hey, 10 days already. Eh? How long you want to take a public this? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Out, you know? if, if it's stuck, it's stuck. Then, you know, uh, if it fails, then okay, like, we just want, want the next one. Mm. I think it's a sweet spot in between. Like, and, and we, we both kind of 
hold each other accountable and that's how we can publish regularly uh, and to a certain quality, not like absolute like shit show. Yeah. 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 Do you enjoy the process? Do you both enjoy And what it? is the process also? Actually? Yeah, what is the process? Like how do you have yeah, from idea yeah. to posting? Well, what's that what was like? the workflow like? What's the you? factory, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like so, <laughs> yeah. So usually it's like something that we feel like very, very strongly about. Yeah. I mean, if it's not a sponsor, like, I mean, if it's sponsored, yeah, yeah, then of course, of course. they yeah. give us a message then like, oh, yeah. okay, we see what we can work with this. But I think if it's not sponsored, it's usually something that we see online, then we are very triggered by it. Then we will discuss it in private. Right. Then what will happen next is that either Weishun or I, usually me, like, I would pen down like the script in, in Google Slides. Okay. So it's just Google Slides. Very boring one. It's just like 30 slides of text. Bullet White points. Text. Uh, just bullet points. Uh. Uh, I just write like uh, comic panels, but without any visuals. Uh, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a skeleton deck, right? Then I'll send it to Weichun. Weichun will say like, actually, you never say this, this, this. Actually, this part can be better. Then we go uh, back and forth, you know, using this skeleton deck first. And then once we are both happy with it, Weichun would uh, will draw based on the text that that we have uh, that we have kind of put put in there. Okay. And that's when like the story will also change a little bit because sometimes uh, it's quite hard to translate like uh, text into effective visual metaphor. So I think mm-hmm. this is the part that uh, Weichun actually puts in a lot of work to to kind of transform the the piece, lah. Right. I see. And after he's done with that, it's uh, at this point it's just sketches. So Weishun doesn't go like hundred percent on it. He's like maybe uh what like a three percent or something. Yeah, yeah 10%, like five percent uh, Five to ten percent. Yeah. Then we will discuss. Oh, actually, this uh, this metaphor, you know, can be better. You know, what if we try this? What if we try that? And then once we both have it, that then he will move on to like the the final stage. Uh. So it's it's a long process. Uh, I think it will take usually it takes around like. Two weeks if there's okay. no other client content being produced. Okay. Yeah, but if it's client content because you know there's like deadlines. Uh, deadlines, there's like sometimes the, the client like ding dong take their own time to 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 reply. I think the longest project we're on is like I think nine months or something. Wow. It's crazy long. Crazy long. Yeah. 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 So so which one, where where do you normally get stuck? If you, if you, I mean, this, this factory that Rimin just described, right? Where do you normally get stuck and, you know, <laughs> how do you unstuck oh, because, yourself? <laughs> because I'm a perfectionist, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm particularly anal when it comes to metaphors because ah. I want them to work as far as possible. I see. It's very easy to just say some, or, you know, staying afloat, then we just draw some, uh, you know, some water ah. thing and then have it work. But I'll try to think about it like, okay, what? What is staying afloat? That's why the mountain investment thing actually took a long time to formulate mm. and it came in different versions as, as well. See. And and we we do oftentimes say the same thing using different analogies. Mm. Like mountain investment is one, then we could also, for example, depict the idea of uh, uh you know staying afloat uh you know when the waters rise, which is inflation. Mm. So I think about a lot of the other aspects of, of this stuff, and sometimes it can completely derail the whole thing because I will say, but this mechanic does not work for the analogy. Uh, and then I'll rethink it because I, I really love tight analogies like that. I, I love to think about all the things. So if we're in water, let's not just talk about water. What what is a wave? Is a wave a recession? Is it a depressionary thing coming in? Is it something mm. unexpected? Is it caused by by something else around the world? Is it a seismic movement from the core of the earth? You know, so so this stuff I love getting stuck in, and sometimes that that necessarily 
or even unnecessarily complicates the procedure. But but what, what makes our model work so far, in contrast to the usual way of making these things an agency, is mm. that we have trust between the two of us yeah. that Rui Ming can write me something that might not be completely finished. And I understand that that's the case. Then when I make changes that are drastic, he also trusts me to take the story in a direction that's good. I see. And that helps us to communicate and to not have very big, like, uh, huge arguments that the the threatens the survivability <laughs> of the company. Okay. Uh, wow. You know? So but, I think like, some creators like they will argue then they like have they have egos or something. Oh right? yeah, yeah. How come Maybe my story is like, changing? You know, like, you don't like me. Is it? Yeah. Why, why, why? My thing always you reject one. You know? <laughs> hey, always changes more. You, you you asshole or something. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I mean I work in advertising, so that's really really common. But I think for for Rachel and I, we I think somehow we managed to like put that aside because like I trust that he wants like the best for our audience. He trusts that I want the best for our audience. Then when he criticizes my work, I'm like. Feelings I mean, will still get hurt, lah, right? Yeah, but we show sure that. Side, yeah. Of course, there's always that, that initial like flash of like, oh, what them seeing, you know? Like, oh. <laughs> fun toy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, like, after the first five seconds, I'm like, okay, but he's doing this because he, <laughs> he probably sees something important and I have to uphold my end of the bargain. I have to be responsible and be an adult. Lah. I mean, even though being an adult is, is really hard sometimes. But yeah, <laughs> we, we just do it. Lah, right? So yeah. which piece of content had the most tension that, that you're yeah, interested to know Because, too. you know, yeah. all, for us on the outside, we look, they're all so beautifully done. It's so yeah. fantastic. You guys must be a blast, you know, brainstorming. But which one was the, 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 the toughest one to produce between both of y'all? Don't, uh, don't count the ones where you have to deal with uh, agencies. Or that. Just between, between both, both of you. you. Yeah. What was the... The wallet, like, wow, push left, push right, yeah. push left. A lot, push a lot of right. ping pong. Yeah. I think I know what Reming might say, and yeah, it, might, yeah. it might be the same one. Uh. Yeah. For yeah. me, it was when uh, it was the first time I was working on something that was very conceptual because our stuff tends to be quite like tech talks or presentations because of the way that our process is. It's something that, that is just a part of our process. And I think it's okay. Sometimes people just want a tech talk where mm. it's in a first person voice saying, here's what I learned about this and blah, 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 blah. So the first thing that I really tried to do to push this was that I had an idea about this thing about what if somebody died okay. and then uh, he didn't know that he died, but he regrets his life. So I did this whole story uh, about somebody passing into the afterlife. Okay, uh, it's, it's called something like rich people Problems. Basically, about this 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 person who was talking to a bartender, and it's inspired by The Shining. There's a scene in The Shining where he's talking to a bartender, and it might be all hallucinations in his own head. And I was I just watched the film, so it was in my head. <laughs> so he's talking to a bartender about how hey, you know I'm actually a very rich person. You know, like I got I got this, I got accomplished that, but you know my family's not not doing too well. Uh, I neglected them to chase money and whatever. And then turns out, then he was, say, he was saying something like, you know, to, today after this drink, I'm going to go back and turn things around. But the thing is, he's actually in limbo because he's passing into the afterlife and then ah. that bar is a scene of how he passes and deals with the thing of his past. So it's too late already. Lah. So that took me a long ass time to do because first time doing it, I was just so wrecked by personal doubt when I'm like, who, who want to read this nonsense? It's very know? experimental, right? Yeah. At that point in time. Inception, Experimental man. for us. <laughs> la. It's, yeah. it's, it's something has been done before in comics. It's nothing like groundbreaking in terms of the comic art, but for yeah. us, it was yeah. difficult. And then I was just, I also didn't dare to show Reming a lot of the drafts because I also like felt like crap about it. Mm-hmm. But then the deadline push, 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 then like eventually we got it out and it went, it did very well. I mm. was super surprised because I, I still remember uploading the pictures onto Facebook album and I was thinking like, oh, la, wait, who want to read this? <laughs> the, the twist ending is so obvious. And then people say, oh yeah, I liked it. Some people say they cry, which I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> 
So, you know, good lucky got rid of me because if I was on my own, I would never have published it. Wow. wow. It did quite well for us. Yeah. yeah. Remake mean, anything that it was difficult for you? Yeah, actually, I think uh, it was, I mean, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised when, when I first read it, you know, because like the way Wei Chun described it, it was like, like, it would be very bad at it. But actually, like, yeah, it was, it was actually quite, quite, you know, I mean, the, the concept was already there. Already. Then I, I just added, like, a few suggestions. And I think, you like, added the, the, the horse and the, the bull, right? Uh, yeah, Which yeah. is the under, the, the, the guardians of the underworld in Chinese <laughs> mythology. Uh, new Tomami. Uh, yeah. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, so actually, like, Wei Chun already did, like, most of the work. I just added in a few suggestions. But I think, I think what, what irritated me is, like, because he, he didn't, like, Communicate with me. Shy, shy about the world also. But actually, like once I see the world, actually it's it's good, uh, right? We just made a few changes, then we just publish it, uh, then if it's sung, it's sung. Uh, yeah. Then we just I, I think that's how we, we I think that's the key actually nowadays. If it sucks, it sucks. Yeah. The the there the is a worse thing than it sucking and nobody seeing it, which is you get cancelled. That is the truly worst thing yeah. that can happen to your yeah. social media. But if something is not good, nobody sees it, fine, move on, do the next one. Actually, the I, I, I love what the the culture that you guys have espoused about the experimentation because a lot of people just have so much paranoia on how well and a lot of these assumptions in their head, and then it just gets buried, you know. And and you know. What we try to do with our with, with our team as well is just just tell them just just go just go you know you never know what content sticks though to be yeah. honest I mean, is is that something you guys feel as well you know but but it's tough you know because there's yeah. a real price yeah. for innovation and experimentation right. mm. the price is that it might not work it might cost you money yeah but you have to weigh the fact and, and always remember that uh you learn something in failure also yeah but yeah. it's very difficult when you have clients and you need to make bottom line and you got other deadlines very tempting to and then for experimental stuff too i think you have to be in the right frame of mind you can't be in a bad mood you can't be stressed out about other stuff i think yeah. it helps that it helps that sometimes you create good stuff when your backs are against the wall but like um i think Ray Ming went for a trip recently and he came back and i can feel the difference uh, you know like just having him take a break for a while you know so right frame of mind also very important for these kind of things uh, great i feel and the next question i was going to lead towards is actually getting sponsored content versus doing things on your own i'm pretty sure it's a challenge you know it's it's even uh i think mj would people have agendas i mean you yeah know. yeah yeah and uh, uh we, we've rejected all almost all of our yeah, yeah. <laughs> sponsored for request. affiliates, yeah, yeah, for everything. You know, it just comes into a hello mailbox, and then you know, just we saw, oh, okay, no. <laughs> you know? So, can you share with us what were the challenges, maybe from the initial stage when you started doing sponsored content, and you know how your audience would actually react to it and all that? You know, I think in the beginning, everyone was really happy for us. I mean, ah. I think, yeah, people are still really happy for us because, like when you are the little guy, it's very easy to cheer you on. Ah. Like, like everybody loves uh, Death Cat for Cutie, you know, <laughs> yeah. 2007. Wow, Death Cat for Cutie, wow, such a great indie band. But then when Death Cat for Cutie goes mainstream, then they'll be like, oh, the old music used to be better, blah, 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 you know, many yeah. uh, So in, in a way, it's a, it's a similar thing. I, I wouldn't say like a lot of people complain about sponsored content, mm. but I will say like, uh, Doing sponsored content at our at our stage now, you know, it does elicit some uh, negativity sometimes. Mm. Right? I think what I try to tell myself is that you know, uh, a lot of work goes into content, and if 
if I or Wichun were not paid like a fair amount for our labor, mm. and, and once again, like it does take a lot of effort to produce content that will be shared like I don't know, a, a few hundred or a few thousand times, right? Yeah. We will not be doing this uh, long term. Yeah. Right? Very I fair. will be working at head of content in, in, in some company. Where you get paid a stable salary and all this kind uh, of things, right? No risk, no uh, no overheads, you mm, know. Mm. So a lot of these people sometimes they they uh the comment, I kind of feel like it's coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't run a business. I mean, which is most people. So yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, so I, I try not to begrudge them because like they don't see the challenges that that we do. So nowadays, I just get like angry for like you know, five seconds. Then I try to like okay, okay, like this person uh, probably doesn't understand the challenge. Blah 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 blah. Okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just ignore it. Yeah, but I think most of the time we really try to create like, to make content like as as organic as possible mm. we really i mean maybe not to your extent but we do reject like most of our clients that, that come in mm. Mm. Like, i think there have been so many clients that we rejected and we could have been like a lot richer you know uh if we didn't turn them away i mean for example there's like insurance link plans there's like oh, yeah there's, uh, people want you want you to shoe like you know the, the newest crypto coin <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we wanted to participate in a pump and dump scheme you know we probably could yeah but i think uh like warren buffett say like reputation is is forever right yes easy money is just easy money so we we don't really believe in that so i think like after after all these like safeguards in place already if people still dislike you for the sponsor content then okay lah i mean we already tried as much as possible to make it as neutral as most and, and helpful to people yeah and uh, that, that's the most we can do. Uh, another interesting observation is that typically it's like Singaporeans who complain a lot about the sponsor content because Singaporeans see a lot of ads, you uh, know, okay. uh, compared to uh, compared to other nations. I, I saw this like in uh, in a social media study once. So another way I comfort myself is that, you know, if like someone from Trinidad and Tobago like loves the content, text, text us, DM us, or someone in Canada Text us to say like, hey, you know, I, I shared this with my with my with my friends. You know, it was really helpful. So, if people all over the world are enjoying the content, like, why should I care about what like a uh, angry Singaporean guy guy thinks? Oh, hey, comment. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 I just that helps that helps me set things in in perspective. Because sometimes people just dislike sponsored content because it's sponsored. Right. Right. And I, I mean, just to add on a point also, what you said, I think they are living in an idealistic world. Uh. They expect everything to be free. They expect yeah. everything to be unbiased, you know. Um, I mean, they, 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 they look at your content, they get a laugh. Not many things can get people to laugh yeah. or to feel anything and all that. And they did it all for free, right? Like, you know, people pay for comedy shows or watch movies. Correct. They expect to pay money. And Correct. then they watch a, read a Facebook post that has the exact give the same exact uh, reaction, then suddenly when sponsored content come in and then somehow oh, that becomes Oh, cannot. Bad. You're deep, de de yeah, yeah. Which yeah, one yeah, I think it might be yeah. cultural also, no, like, yeah. because I think the idea of patronship mm. or of patronage, like Patreon, for example, in the US is quite viable. Yes. It also depends on the amount of people that you're appealing to. So if we are Singapore-based, and I mean, our pool of people is less because yeah. Singapore is a small country. Yeah. So for example, if we were to play that YouTube monetization system, oh, right? We different. are playing to a system that is basically 
um, quantified based on populations that are much higher. Correct. Even if I capture 90% of my demographic in Singapore, I'm not going to be able to make full-time pay or salary here because Singapore also happens to be an extremely expensive place to live in. Exactly. So the the... There is really very little ways uh, for us to be sustainable apart from taking on sponsored content. And I and I completely agree with Rim. I think like it also depends where that social media platform is. For example, when I first started seeing right YouTube, right, I think YouTube was one of the first places that I noticed uh, on uh, one of the first social medias uh, mm. that when you declare sponsorship, people got happy for you and they accept it. Mm. They will go uh, halfway through the video. Oh, today is sponsored by, you know, not VPN, blah, 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 blah. And we're okay with it. Yeah. But if it happens on Facebook, well, people are like, oh, uh, this is sponsored, <laughs> obviously. So what we do at the work segment that I've always wanted to do since I was in Marsha, and Remy also always talked about this, is to declare the sponsorship extremely blatantly upfront. Right in your face. <laughs> right in your face. If you yeah. see our sponsor content is in caps, on, we say, yeah. please do not proceed if sponsor content offends you. Yeah. Because last time it used to be the big problem with that, that stuff was what they call native advertising. Mm. Where you try to hide it. You read the article to the end and it all allow a sponsor content. <laughs> so now we just say upfront. Yeah. But you see, I wish uh, we could be more transparent about the stuff that we turned down. And I'm sure you you, you feel that too. Oh, yeah. Because when people complain, like, do you know what I turned down? Do you know the amount of money that I put on the yeah. table and I just leave there, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, ah. <laughs> uh, Weichun, we, we feel the same frustration, trust me. You know, MJ and I, we've done so many uh, yeah. company videos. Mm -hmm. And in the comments, uh, in the YouTube comments, uh, wow, you guys do sponsored content. You, yep. you should mention. Yep. Asia, they Asia. say Asia sponsored. I'm like, like hello, wish, I, uh, I lost 25K on Asia. <laughs> <laughs> hello, I say. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they sponsored. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think there's a phrase for it. Be damn if you do, be damn if you yeah. don't. So I'm yeah, not yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not here to to please anyone. I, I but, do but, what my conscience serves me right. La. <laughs> but I think people are turning like like yeah. as, as more and more people uh, yeah. have friends or kids who are doing sponsored or uh, yeah. are doing content for a living. Yeah. Because it used to be delivered for you for free, but somebody has to pay. Exactly. So either you pay or the sponsor pay, but you you go and see the sponsor. Yeah. And I'll promise you as content people, yeah. as as curators. It's an ethos kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a question of character. Correct. You can trust us that we, we uphold by choosing the sponsors that we take on. Yes. Is that we won't put out a sponsorship or something that we don't agree with. Exactly. And I sleep very well at night. Yeah, you, exactly. You know some people think I might not. Because you know, I turn out a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so based on that, I think we shouldn't be too bothered. Like, like, as I, remember, I, I like the, the them if you do them, you don't. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Right. Because we, one bad comment can really get to you. you yeah. Know? Even though so you have like 99, 99 uh, <laughs> yeah, comments. It's like right? that. Like, humans are like that. Yeah, because we yeah. want to fix the one flaw that we have so yeah. we won't die. Exactly. So it's, it's natural. It's okay. Like, but it's very hard initially to get over this thing. Like. Obviously. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. We, we have a rule of thumb. Any product mm -hmm. that, that we, we put, don't use, we don't use straight away. So oh, that's why hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, it's very simple, man. It's like if I don't eat my own cooking, yeah, why should I be? I mean, we only have one broker, right? But yeah. I think we have like nine or ten brokers that ask us to yeah. promote uh, yeah. their bro their stuff. You know, yeah. not gonna name them, obviously. Yeah. But I think now I want to get into the the personal finance bit, right? Yes. Your your own personal life. I know we touched a little bit about how you thought about money. But you know, as you've entered the workforce, you've been in the workforce for a long time now, running businesses. Uh, I'm not sure if you have employees. I'm not too sure about that. But um, have, 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 right? Okay. So how how has um, the evolution of your personal finance beliefs uh, been? Right? What are the new things you've learned in the past uh, decade, and of course in the past five years running the work salary man? I think for me, like in the beginning, I was like a classic. Uh, 
entitled em- employee. Right? <laughs> okay. So what happens that I will graduate from, I mean, I'll graduate that it. I just look at my pay like, eh, why am I being paid so low, right? Mm. I got a degree, eh. mm. why am I being paid so low? Shouldn't I deserve more, right? Mm. Then shouldn't, shouldn't like, you know, success fall on my lap, you know? Why, why can't my boss give me like the coolest projects or the best projects? I think like everyone usually starts out that way. Not everyone, okay. A lot of people uh, start out that way. And then eventually like, uh, I started to read more about like uh, economics, started to learn more about running a business. Then I found out like, well, actually business owners, like they, they take on quite a lot of risks, like, you know? Yes. But, uh, I always, so as an employee, you always think like, well, my boss earned more this year, he should give me more money, right? Or he or she should give me money. But uh, in reality, it's like, why? Why, why though? You didn't take on any other risk, mm. right? Like if I... If the company lost money, then you have just left and you have just, you know, found an job elsewhere. Correct. The business owner will have lost the money. So I think this is like a huge, uh, huge shift in mindset that I, I feel like it's one of the most important things for people to understand. Mm. And, I, and I gained it first when I, not, not even when I started business, when I became like self-employed first. Mm. I think that's when I started to see like, okay, employee, self-employed business, this is like a whole risk to reward spectrum that people must consider. Correct. The other thing I I think I felt was also mind blowing was like supply supply and demand right. Mm, mm. Uh, I think we wrote one piece about how like why having a uni degree doesn't mean you'll be paid highly anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Simply because everyone else has like a, a uni degree lah, right? And I think part of that entitled entitlement or entitled mindset stems from us and myself included last time. I mean maybe now also I don't know. But only thinking about myself, right? I have this, so I should have this. Mm. Actually, it's it's not about that. It's about what other people are providing and what are you providing in relative to that. I think uh, one of the pieces that we're working on is, you know, uh, which I can just say, right? I just say, uh, yeah, it's about uh, why soldiers are paid less than football stars. Ooh. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to that, man. <laughs> no, right? You can argue like a soldier's ultimate sacrifice it's their life. It's, yeah. it's life, right? Then how come, you know, soldier is paid, you know, uh, an okay salary compared to, let's say, Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. who who doesn't really, you know, risk his life on the field, right? They call it the diamond water paradox, I believe, in economics. Oh, it's called diamond water paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, water is more important than diamonds, right? For survival, yet water is a lot cheaper than diamonds. Yeah. Ah, that yeah, also yeah. answers, like, why essential workers are, may, may not be paid as highly Correct. as what they might be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and also because like, I mean, the way I saw it, you know, uh, many people can do the soldier's job. Many people are willing to, to, to possibly sacrifice their lives. But at, at the same time, like, while many people are willing to play at Cristiano Ronaldo's level, very few of them can do it. Yeah. And that, you know, is why uh, soldiers are paid less than football stars. So I think like these two, these two concepts, you know, I think these were like the two largest changes in, in my mindset. And mm. like, once I realized this, I felt like, okay, everything is damn clear to me. This is capitalism. I know how to make things work. Yeah. But before that, you are in this weird stage where you just hate everything, which is a quite unpleasant place to be in. Yeah. And, and it kind of, for the lack of a better word, sometimes you fall into this victim mentality. Is like, why, is yeah. it, why, why is it unfair? You know, why, why is this system exactly. working this way? 
Oh, actually, there's there's one more. Uh, there's one more uh concept that I I think is about like who pays you, right? Mm. So, uh, for example, if you are working in the public sector, there there's always gonna be a cap on your salary because it comes from taxes. Yes. Right. But on the free market, that's where you can have like ridiculous 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 salaries, lah. And which is why some some important really important jobs such as like uh nursing or or being a doctor might not pay as well as private practice. And this is no indication on like the person's effort or capability, but more of who is the paymaster. Mm. I think understanding like these three things will help you understand, how people understand capitalism. Yeah. Yep. Great insights. So about uh, Wei Chun, and before you go on to answer, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, will you be drawing Cristiano? I <laughs> think probably. I'm, I'm more of a basketball guy, so I, okay, I okay. turn that into basketball because like, basketball also like per player, usually the salary right, higher. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, for me, actually really means say most of it, but maybe to add some meat on the bones, like when it came to, you know that resentfulness that you might have as yes. an employee, I yes. can relate to that so closely. And that was my biggest transformational journey, mm. like becoming an entrepreneur as well. Um, I remember right, my first job was that I was a junior web designer and I was making web pages for a very, it's, a, it's, it's based in Singapore, this agency, but they made really, really like, uh, actually quite simple stuff like at the time it was like just simple HTML pages for Citibank so ah, it's a very big client okay. and I remember my 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 salary at the time was 1.6k a month and I accidentally saw an invoice uh, of a website that I did so it's just one web page for promotion I accidentally saw the invoice and this page in particular right, just happened to be a uh, that I worked on it completely. Because <laughs> sometimes you might need the business person to rally with the client back yeah, and yeah, forth. Yeah, this yeah. one, first time approved. Then uh, I didn't need any coding help from the developer to do some special thing with the tables. Because yeah. last time web designer, you CSS, do something. right? Yes, yes, yeah. You do it in one browser, okay. You go on yeah. internet as well, it'll break on. Yeah. So sometimes you need also coders to help you yeah, with the yeah. coding team and stuff. Yeah. I did it all myself. I think it came out to be about eight to $9,000. And I'm like, Ooh. what? This thing that I did myself completely, right? Is my salary for six months. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Why am I, am I getting fleeced like that? And this is all my existence. But then later on, when you go out into the workforce, you become a manager, you rise a bit more. Then you become an entrepreneur, you're running a business, you are fully faced with the entirety of the beast that you have to, to, to tackle, the, 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 just the risk that you are taking on yes, with yes. rent, with overhead. And you understand why? Even though I did it all myself. But what if I couldn't? I only coding help. Yeah. Could I even back the client in the first place? I yes. cannot. They won't even work with me because yeah. I have no structure and I have no background. I have no portfolio. Yeah. So these are a lot of the reasons why you are not just paid for the work that you do. It is a lot of other nuances that kind of and it's very difficult to tell people this. That's why That's I, I don't think it's bad that people, for example, say, oh, you know, like, well, Jeff Bezos, I, uh, he got privileged. His father gave him 350K to start business. I, uh, Elon Musk, his father was a very rich one. They yeah. had you know, however this or that. But, you know, privilege is privilege and we, we can't choose to be born in the Musk family or the, you the know, Bezos or the, family. Or the Bezos family. Yeah. But you do the best with what you have, but also the danger comes when you 
tell yourself that this is it, like that my life is dictated by the structure that I'm inherently born into. Yeah. It is somewhat the case and it depends on what society you're in. For example, they found out that uh, if you are born or uh, if you are in a more corrupt society or geographical political location, right? Yeah. It's harder for you to make something of yourself because you have to grease your way up or really fight against the system. Correct. If you're in a more meritocracy or more open society, it's easier for, you know, somebody rags to riches kind of thing mm. by, by proving with your work. Mm. But you make the best out of your situation. No? And the worst thing uh, that can happen, admitting uh, that, 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 hierarchy exists, that, that privilege exists and that life is not fair. The worst thing that can happen is to write yourself and your fate off to your structure and to not work on yourself. Mm. That's the truly worst tragedy that I'm very scared for my generation that I see a lot online. Oh, that's great. Really? You see that? Yeah. Uh, you really see that a lot for your, your peers? I'm not saying don't go left wing, la, but I, <laughs> my peer, because I'm an artist also. La, so yeah, yeah, I'm I see. I see. God, a lot of this yeah. kind of thing. Like, I'm not going to say it's from US or whatever. I don't know, lah, right? But I'm very wary about this kind of stuff because being from Malaysia, I understand the relative differences in sort of hunger. And, and Malaysia's all in between, lah, I feel like, in Southeast Asia because as a hiring manager, like when I hired for jobs last time, right, for my companies, the, 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 the people from Southeast Asia who want to get into Singapore are so damn hungry. Uh. They are so damn affordable and they will give you like equal value for one-fifth of the price. <laughs> it, is, it is staggeringly scary. Mm. And if you buy into that thing too much of, you know, like uh, uh, structure and agency, like what will happen is that people who are hungrier might come and take it from you. I understand. And you don't even see it. So Singapore is in a very interesting position. Uh, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I want to add like one point about like privilege. Please. Also because like, people always say like, you know, uh, uh, Bezos' father gave him money, right? To start his business, that's why it's so successful. But if you think about it, it also matters what you do with the money. Correct. Oh yes. Donald Trump's parents gave him like I think like one million dollars. A small loan, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean small loan of one million dollars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he didn't make much of it himself. Yeah. So clearly what you do with the money matters a lot, you know. Uh I think we should give credit for that also, you know. Being able to leverage your privilege to do as much as you can uh for you know for, whether for yourself or for, for the betterment of the world because it's very entirely possible that uh, rich kids just squander away the, the family yeah, wealth. Absolutely. Even many, many times uh, over history. Yeah. Actually, the most famous, I think, between Malaysia and Singapore would be Grab. It's the easiest example. I, I, you know, he, he grew up in a privileged family, right? Uh, what I've read was that his father was not very supportive of his idea starting this. Mm. And the mother was the one who gave him the money. But you see he came from a very, very privileged family. And yet he used to look at where, where he is today. He, he took that leg up, you know, he took that leg mm. up and, you know, really just flourished rather than, you know, like what uh, Remin said, just squander. I, I I know of people who squander a lot, but it's we not our not place to judge. Out, yeah, it was not our place right. to judge. Yeah. And also like, I mean, if you were given $1 million, then yeah. I will also not begrudge you for, for using it to best ability, right? Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, quite, it's quite pointless to be... Uh, bitter and upset about about all these people. Although like I'll admit like in my initial years I was very very bitter and very upset about these people. But if you focus too much on them, you never focus on yourself. I think that is like the ultimate disservice you can do to yourself. Like. How, how do you all overcome that bitterness? Because yeah. some people, you know, don't overcome that until decades. Maybe they bring it to 
you know, the, the coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. So how no. do you guys do it in, in you know, really, I mean, it's pretty fast. I mean, most, like I say, most people don't actually get past that stage. Yeah, so I think for me, I was realizing that, you know, uh, it's A or B, like, I can stay bitter forever or I can work on myself slowly, you know. Maybe I'll never be as rich as, uh, I don't know, some some billionaire son. Yeah. But uh, I just live a, a life that I can, I'm happy with, mm. you know. There's no need for me to compare myself like endlessly to this like standard of uh, you know success or money, and I think that's I think that's a great starting point. You know, as long as you can, your mind can get there. I I, I think you can eventually overcome like the bitterness and you know, stop being so angry. Mm. Great. The thing for me it was like, also being politically aware, being mm. historically aware because. I mean, history keeps repeating itself. Everything happens in cycles. And if you are aware of, say, power and how power dynamics work, for example, like when it comes to diplomacy, like how Singapore does diplomacy, for example, and balancing its relationships with China and USA, yeah. Singapore has to understand there is not a superpower and it can never be on that kind of a, Correct. a purpose. So how does Singapore, despite that, become a formidable you know, force certainly economically in the Southeast Asian region. Mm. It is to do with understanding the deck of cards that you have and to play to the best of your abilities because I'm from Malaysia. Malaysia has a huge wealth of resources, oh, yes. land, everything. The rubber plantations, I mean, they spread as far as the eye can see. Yeah. But economically, it's not doing as well as Singapore. Why? Yeah because of a lot of reasons, but also by understanding that kind of a difference, understanding what makes people end up where they are. The thing about privilege also, I mean, we can see in nations as well. And this is something that, that really me and I talks a lot about. For example, um, you see a lot of the Western countries talking a lot about human rights, a lot of things about, you know, like a proper way of doing things when it comes to human rights or work-life balance and this kind of thing. One of the reasons why they might be able to afford that is because they have relative prosperity from historical successes. Exactly. US is the same. US is the most powerful country in the world. And uh, Ray Dalio talks a lot about this, for example, in the rise and fall of the recessionary cycle going up and down and up and down. They talk about how, so for example, wealth doesn't last three generations. Why? Because complacency sets in and human nature is unavoidable in that way. Mm. The hardest thing for rich people to do actually uh, is to raise their kids not to be, pardon my language, as yeah. That is the number one problem which people have because it's so difficult to raise good kids in a, in a, and, and to have proper values. And I think always proper values for me comes down to balancing two aspects uh, well. One is to have the confidence to know that you can be something and number two, to understand that there are other people better than you. Mm. You balance these two things, you can become a, a pretty okay person, I feel. And for rich people, it's very hard to skew <laughs> one side over another. So by understanding all these things and seeing how all these patterns connect when it comes to interpersonally, financially, and also politically, you can see all these patterns happening a bit like what Remix said earlier. So then you understand how it works. Uh. The hard part now is to convince our generation, convince the people around us because it is important because we can't just work on ourselves and better ourselves and, and to we need everybody else to, to come up and we genuinely believe that's why we, we would also do work salaryman even after we've, I think, a, a achieved our financial independence. Uh -huh. Uh, is because we believe it will benefit society on the whole if everybody just understood finance better. Even if you don't like the world order, you don't like how things work, you don't like fiat, you don't like crypto or whatever, having some kind of ability, having some kind of power or leverage would help you and put you into a better position to change the world according to your better vision. 
So it helps everybody to understand how the world works first. That's what we are doing. We're trying to help people understand. Mm -hmm. Then to get enough agency to then be able to change the world if you have a better vision. So we think it's super important. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's such a great point that you brought across, uh, Weichun, about, about money and understanding power and the power dynamics. Because um, I just listened to a podcast. It was an investing podcast. It's uh, Invest Like the Best, uh, Columbia Business School. And the two guests, I can't even remember the fund's name, but they used to work for uh, uh, T-Row. Both of them were political science majors, <laughs> international relations and whatever. Uh, the lady went to uh, work for uh, charitable causes in the Middle East, helping. Uh, and she was there during the Arab Spring. The other guy was a political aide to a senator in Kentucky or Chicago. Wow. I can't remember. Okay, right. So two people, uh, very politically inclined, and, and they wanted to make the change to the world. Guess what? The the lady uh, saw how Twitter actually uh, changed the uh, uh, Arab Spring. She was there during Arab Spring. Then she realized how money can change a lot of things. Then the Senate, the senator's aide, she realized that for the senator to do things, it was actually money again. <laughs> so right, both right, of them right. came to the conclusion that you know, the the center. It, it may sound you know, I, I'm pretty sure I get brick bats for this. A lot of people think that when we talk about money, it's very materialistic. But hello, change in the world takes money. It's as simple as that. No, I think uh, MJ was sharing this with me. Uh, what was the sister that said, "No margins, no mission." Yeah. <laughs> So it's a Catholic, Catholic, mm, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sister. Yeah, Catholic sister. No, no mission. So I, I, I wanted to just give uh, more credence to what you just said, Weichun, about understanding this power dynamics. And a lot of people, uh, for me, I find it very sad, fall into this complacency of waiting for things to happen. And when they wait, wait for things to happen, oh, government is responsible for giving me it. Oh, why am I, why is the Malaysian, uh, especially for Malaysian, why is the currency so much lower than Singapore? Hello. You still have to hustle. It, it's not so such a simplistic, generalistic mm -hmm. uh, things about it. And you know this, the story I wanted to share and what you've said, uh, uh, Chun was, guys, wake up, open your eyes. You know, you, you you have to understand how the rules of the games are being played. You know, don't don't go around blaming and being yourself a victim to it. Uh. I think that's that that's uh, why I wanted to share. Uh. So agree, agree. Yeah. yeah. So I I have a question now about uh, your journey making content. So obviously, yeah. what you're uh, do a lot is you look at what's out there right now when it comes to financial advice and then you give your take on it, right? Uh, through comics. Now, what are some of the things, popular sayings or beliefs about finance that you think are just absolute myths? Like they're completely, yeah. it doesn't make sense or at least it's not very well described and there's a lot more nuance to it. Any Anything like, I know earlier you mentioned money cannot buy happiness, so that's one. So what are some of the other myths that you say that, that you see in the financial advice world? I think there's one called like uh in Chinese it's called like Tan Xian Shang Gan Xing or something, right? Um I don't think I've heard it, yeah. Well what's the what's the, the translation? So in, in English it's like if you discuss money, you hurt relationships. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I mean Maybe we are like too nerdy in the personal finance space, but I do think like before COVID nineteen, like uh, many people avoided talking about money because they feel like it's a very sensitive thing. You know, mm -hmm. they don't talk about it. And what happens is that eventually the relationship breaks down. Because I think I, I read in a study like most most divorces happen like because of money. Like money plays like a huge part in it. I mean, other than uh, infidelity, like, But yeah. like yeah. that's nothing uh, uh, all altogether. 
Uh, apart from that, I, I do hear a lot of like Warren Buffett quotes being like thrown around mm. by uh by people who you know haven't invested. I don't know, not even like one year or something. <laughs> then they, I don't know lah. They they kind of like taking out of context. Yeah. The one like I I I most get annoyed with is something like uh diversification is only protection if you don't know what you're against ignorance or something like that. Yeah. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That, that, uh, that, I mean, the more crude version is diversification for idiots. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So it's version. like, they call it like diversification or Diversification, something. right. Yeah, so I think right now, like, it's very fashionable to hold on to that thought, right? Because, I mean, individual assets are doing well. You know, if you buy Bitcoin, you make a lot of money. You buy Tesla, you make, you make a lot of money. But, Oh, people often forget, like, you know, we are in like a crazy bull market, you know, since yes. since the, the Great Recession, you know. Uh, and this idea of like uh not diversifying, I, I, I think it's quite harmful. Another thing that should be taken into account is that Warren Buffett's target audience, when he was saying this, was probably other fund managers, right? Yes. It's not the everyday uh everyday person. Yeah. So this is something like I feel like many people, especially uh, those type of like uh, influencers, uh, right? They will come and like say this and make everyone think like diversification is bad. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I I think that's really dangerous because, I mean, you get o- overexposed to like one asset and if that tanks, you know, you're you're wiped out, uh, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So people always say like if you make diversification you will make like less money i think like for the past 10 years that's been true to a certain extent but also i would say like you know uh diversification also means like it doesn't always mean you lose money because sometimes all assets can grow at the same time as fast and you kind of have like financial security doing it and it adds to uh, peace of mind uh, which i feel like is the long-term factor when it comes to investing yeah, versus people who just like panic sell when when stuff crashes. Yeah, true. Richard, I don't have one off the top of my head. I I agree because I I'm actually quite a I'm quite boring when it comes to investment. I just want to know enough to beat inflation, and that's all I care mm. about. And maybe the four percent the four percent rule is what I would need when it comes to a guideline for knowing how much I need to retire. So 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 I, that's sorry, that's interesting. The four percent rule yeah, because I know yeah. people debate about this all the time. Yeah, like, is four yes, percent yeah. actually enough to withdraw your fund? So I mean, do you guys have Thoughts on the four percent rule? I I use it as a very rough figure for myself to to gauge how much I will need invested when I retire. Or but when I say retire, I'm not gonna stop working anywhere. I just I just hate all this mm. fire movement stuff. Personally, <laughs> uh, yes, that's, I, yes, I, yes. Please, I, I hate the RE part. Like. I yeah. just hate retire. Like yeah. the, the the version that I I came up with Rimming was FIMI, F I M I, which is a uh, financial independence make an impact. Because Ooh, I think that, that, that should nice. be what it's about. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't want the, the freedom to retire. I want yeah, the freedom yeah. to be able to choose things that I want to do that I feel is impactful and to have the resources to act on it as well. Mm. So so the retire early stuff, like, I get it, like, dude. It says F-I-R-E. It's such a nice acronym or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. it's fire. It's, it's like you burn. It's, it's very hot and attractive and it lights a fire under your ass and everything. But uh, when you get down to nitty gritty, I just don't like the idea of like just retire and like sit sit my ties on the beach somewhere, you know, yeah. for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So the four percent rule for me is just I I'm gauging at about if I remain single in terms of like I don't have kids, I'm, I'm married lah. Yeah. But but if I don't have kids, I I I can see myself some something like what four k a month, something like that, Singapore mm. dollars. Mm. So I multiply by twenty five. Um, 
uh, of my my yearly annual expenses. So that would be about one point two million dollars. Uh. then mm. I just use that as a rough gauge of when I will not retire, but I can switch on the next phase of doing stuff in life. Great. You know, that's right. just how I use it. Uh. Of course, I understand all the arguments around it. Like, you might not be able to get 4% or is that actually realistic, you know, and all, all this stuff. But I just use it as a guideline. I don't use it as a rule. So that's how mm. I, I'm, I'm prepared to adapt if I have to, you know. Yeah, Yeah, I think the, the 4% rule, I think it's, I would definitely say like it's very, it's, it's quite a useful practical goal, but it's mm. not the one and all. Mm. I mean, which is why in the meantime, we always stress to work on your earning power so that, you know, yeah. If your don't do well, you know, uh, your earning power is still there to, to kind of carry you. I think some food guys at the door, I have to go and see. Sure, 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 sure. 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 Oh, yo. <laughs> no, Rick, it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, as long as it's not his boxers, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, for a moment, I thought it was, but okay, no, it's fine. <laughs> hey, but Richard, good point that Ramin brought up about uh, active income because sometimes MJ and I, what we get is that we get people who are interested to go into investing, but it's actually, they are very interested to use investing as a tool to, to make income, out, to make income, to get out of active income. You know? yeah. I mean, what, what do you say to that? I'm pretty sure you guys have- Yeah, mentioned. investing to <laughs> passive income, guys. Passive income. Passive income. <laughs> I think like, don't talk about Warren Buffett. I think that's the most annoying one I've ever seen. He, he says something about how if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. Yeah. Like I've seen that everywhere. <laughs> And people that know nothing about personal finance, like trotting that line out, like, like oh, you know, some great wisdom that I learned today. Like, duh, you know, you don't mean you say better. I think I get too angry about this. <laughs> well, we, please, income. please save that angle. Yeah. We want to yeah, come I back mean, to it, you know. <laughs> so I mean, just explain earlier, like my girlfriend ordered tea, she now tell me that. Oh, okay. oh, no, 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 no problem. It's important to So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people use Warren Buffett's word as a way to kind of like, sell their stupid causes or you know, their, <laughs> their things. True. So the the, the one that the Rachel said is like particularly harmful because they use it to sell like the idea that passive income is just something that happens magically where in fact like there's really nothing passive or passive income. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, 4K passive income for from uh investing. Okay. Then you need like I mean according to 4% you need 1.2 million dollars. Yeah. Okay. So next question. Where to get that one point two million dollars? Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come out of your your butt or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Government <laughs> won't give you. Uh, <laughs> won't fall the sky. You're gonna have to negotiate. Yeah. You're gonna have to increase your earning power. You're gonna have to learn the skills. Then you can, you know, get one point two million dollars. Then you can, uh, have passive income of four k a month, right? Mm. I think the the dream being so now is like you know, okay, all of you guys don't need work. Uh, you're just sitting on your butt at home and then. You do this uh, full-time investor thing and then you will get, you know, 4000 a month in passive income, which I think is, is, is really, really harmful. Mm. Think about people. And what is possibly more harmful is that today's market kind of like support that narrative. Yes. yes. So it's, uh, it's even more daily. Like, I mean, because we live in an incredibly uh, exuberant times. So I think uh, Robert Schiller would call it like yeah. irrational exuberance. Exuberant, or, correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think that is... Yeah, really something to, to look out for. Yeah, there's something about investing. So we, we typically classify three pillars of personal finance. There's earning, mm -hmm. there's investing, and then there's saving. Saving yeah. is really spending like, or lack thereof. Mm. So I think like people, because people, it's very easy to understand saving and earning. Yeah, yes. So 
I have been, so say I've been in the workforce for five years. I've been working and saving and, and working and saving and earning. Like it, it feels like, okay, I look at my life right now. I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't have a big bungalow, whatever. So what is missing? So they think investing is that thing that will make the difference yeah. to change it. But like, like, like Raymond said, like, like there is nothing passive about that because if you want to invest, do you understand the kind of work that you have to do in terms of understanding the fundamental Precisely. stuff? Do you understand that you're reading company reports and really digging into the fundamental stuff to be able to do that on a consistent basis? And yeah. even then, most active investors don't even beat the the, the, the indices. Yeah. So like, I, I just hate all this stuff. Like, and, and when you, when you attack them on it, when you point it out to these people that are selling these things, Oh, well, it's just marketing. You know, like when they come and learn, I will tell them actually it's not so easy. But <laughs> oh, you're marketing it like that. Like, people, people are paying money for your, your call. Well, they say, Oh no, that's the free one. You have to say all these things up front properly. Otherwise it's just, it's, it's, it's a, uh, I think something should be done about it legally. Like in my opinion, like, I think it's just, it's just horse shit. Like. Mm. I just think it's horrible that people are, are peddling this kind of I, garbage, like, you know? I know this is happening in Singapore right now because I get hit by the ads uh, by <laughs> this one uh, where they tell, how to trade, they tell how to trade based on the moon and the waves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he made a follow-up uh, video explaining, okay, here's why it worked and whatever. It makes, he's making it worse. Right? It's, it's, it's making I thought it worse. it's a joke, you know, I thought he's doing this as a content thing, like, oh, look at this funny little, I thought parody, like, it's good enough to be a parody thing, you know? Wow. I had to look at it twice like, what? He, wait, he's for real? Uh? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, you mentioned the three pillars just now, right? And one pillar was uh, saving. I think this one doesn't get talked loud, but yeah. of course it's the least it's boring. Uh, sexy one, right? But what have you discovered, right? Talking to people and like maybe interacting with your audience, right? Um, some of the, how do they fix and kind of streamline their savings? habit? How do they save better, essentially? What do you think are some of the uh, things that don't make sense that you hear? and things that uh, should make sense. So, you know, this thing called like the Pareto principle. Uh-huh. 80-20 rule. 80-20, right? Mm. Like, I think like, for Singaporeans, at, at least like, I'm, I'm not sure about sure. Malaysia. Like, I, I haven't lived there. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you just have to focus on like, the big five, you know, big five decisions and then everything else is, is, is actually okay one. And the big five, I think like, it's your car, you know, it's your house. The five many- C's in Singapore lah. <laughs> no, not the five C's lah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the past, it's the five C's. But yeah. I think maybe it's not different. You know, like yeah. you know, yeah. your car, your your house. You know, who you marry, mm. how many you you decide to have. I can't remember the last one. I mean, how just whack the 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 number five just now. But yeah, but I think <laughs> these are like really really important. Because for example, like if you buy a car really really early in in your starting of your career, then you won't have like that money to start compounding for you, right? Precisely. The the sad truth is that. If you're chung to buy a car the moment you graduate, that might be the last car you buy. Yeah. Because that car, you know, it just uh, steps some money, pulls you towards like debt versus uh versus wealth. Mm. Versus like, you know, you, you delay gratification for a while, you know, you buy your car, you know, maybe after the first five to ten years when you can properly afford it, then the initial money that, that went into car, right, invested, maybe uh now it's uh now it can like slowly pay for the repayments of your your next car. And, mm. and and I think like car is the really one big thing that yeah brands, uh, like to like to spend about spend yeah. on. Especially in Singapore is so when it's yeah, even actually, more I wanted expensive. to ask yeah. this, right? Yeah. I was actually very shocked to hear this about Singaporeans because 
Uh, because of you all have this thing called the COE, COE. to re- register yeah. for your cars, which essentially jacks up the price a lot, right? And you have to renew yeah. every year, I believe. Um, it's so big, it's, it feels like a house when you buy the car. And so in my head, and, and you know, Singapore has one of the best, if not the best public transports globally, right? So for me, it's like, you know, I put one and one and say, you don't need a car, you just have to, Anyway, there's no point finding a place near yeah, an exactly. MRT because it's everywhere is yeah. near an MRT, right? Yeah. And yet what I discovered when I spoke to friends who live in Singapore or Singaporean friends is that um, it's a big thing. Like mm. you guys actually strive, I mean, not you guys, but I mean, as Singapore in general as a- as Popular a, population. Yeah, as, as a population, <laughs> actually yeah. see getting a car as not just an objective, but- like a serious goal that uh, has six status symbols. It's a status yeah. symbol. I just wanted. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. I think status symbol is, is definitely one thing. I think and I think that's on the like uh, annoying side. Uh. I mean, mm-hmm. people like flex. Like, oh, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I think on the other hand, is this is this psychological theory? I like to call like relative deprivism, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. So it's like when you see other people have like have life slightly easier than you, uh-huh. might not be a lot easier than you. Just just slightly, you know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, so and so send their kids to school. Then our, why, why our kids have to walk, you know, uh, extra. Mm. Mm. So maybe from like uh, outside Singapore's perspective, you know, the walking 10 minutes or 15 minutes is like a, it's like a small thing. Like. I mean, my mom always say uh, last, last time people go walk like two hours to go to school or something. So Yeah, they have to fight dragons to go to school, right? <laughs> uh, our parents. But within, within Singapore, like, any small difference matters because we compare ourselves to our neighbor, right? Mm. I think that's how people get like sucked in the whole uh, car buying thing. Yeah. Well, from, I mean, I guess from my friends who uh, have kids, I guess to them or elderly parents, I think cars will become more of, uh, more compelling, right? Because you want to send your, your kids everywhere and then you got like the baby seat and you cannot. Uh... So I do see the argument for cars, but I do not see the argument for uh, expensive car, cars. Yeah, expensive cars or car ownership on the level that we are seeing now in Singapore. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, so I, I also I actually want to get a car like maybe when the pandemic is over, so I can drive in to see my family more. Mm. Because for me to commute back to Johor, right, actually takes like sometimes three, four, five hours depending on the jam. So if I go on peak, then that's a big problem. So I actually just really want a car because like on Friday night at 2 a.m. then I can just drive in. Ah. Then I go and sleep at home. Then Saturday morning, I'm in JB already. Understand. That's the reason why I want it. But you know, actually like, also like, I think inversely because I work for the work salary, man, I feel such imposter syndrome for <laughs> even thinking about it. Like, oh, oh. you take a big shot now, huh? Make oh. money, on buy car, is it? <laughs> so it can also affect me in that kind of way, in, in inverse lah. You know, but, but I think there are situations where actually Singaporeans might want to consider having a car lah. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, sorry, wait me. I think uh, for me, it helps also because like I, I'm, I'm interested in like urban planning. Like what well, it's one of the things that I've, I've read out recently and all the evidence shows that big cities are just not conducive for cars. True. And Singapore is a big city, right? Mm-hmm. So that, this leads me to think like, okay, the only reason why I buy a car is I have to do, I have, if, if I had to travel like intercity, you know? Yeah. Live in Melbourne, then I have to go to- uh, A suburb or something. Yeah, uh, go to a suburb. Yeah, then I will get a car. Then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But if you live like within, you know, uh, I don't know, 15 to 20 kilometers of a major city center, then yeah. not so much, right? Yeah, yeah. 
if I'm not mistaken, your COE in Singapore, there are times when you can buy those uh, plates that only allow you to drive on the weekend and it's much cheaper. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a red plate. And you can drive those into Malaysia like, and then you ah. can just drive it anyway. So, How, what's so the, I'm what's also controlling those. What was the uh, uh, delta in between just a white plate or a black plate, a normal plate versus those uh, like weekend? Well, that one I don't know, but ah. it's cheaper. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. cool. Right. Yeah. So one thing that changes the personal finance equation is when it's uh, no more personal finance, it becomes family finance, right? <laughs> and uh, Also, when, it's still quite personal, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, children comes in to play, right? That complicates a lot of things. So um, I assume both of you don't have uh, kids yet, but if you were to, right, what do you think? <laughs> What's the game plan? <laughs> what is the game plan, you know? Yeah. I think what will immediately change for me is just uh, right now I try to maintain about six months of my uh, expenses uh, in my bank account as liquidity. La, and then the rest I, I try to invest or pull aside. Uh, so if kids, I will double that long, maybe a year, mm. a year's worth in case something. But but my friend said this about kids and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's reasonable to me. Because in Singapore also, uh, the thing is that uh, the government wants you to have kids. And the yes. government will pay you a lot of things and help you with a lot of things like childcare and things like that when you yeah. have kids. Yeah. So he said something like, uh, a kid in Singapore costs as much as you want it to cost. I mean, obviously you you should be of a certain income level before you even have a kid in Singapore mm. because it's a new life, right? But also you get a lot of assistance. So a lot of times when people spend a lot of money on kids, it's because they send them to very, very good schools. Uh, they buy all the best stuff for them and everything like that. So I think also got a bit of flex on uh. But but I'm okay with it. Like. For me, it's more of the, the time and the, the, the lifestyle sacrifices that will come into play when I have kids. Uh. It's just 18 years or 16 years that I will now be dedicated to this person's life. journey. Mm. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Maybe it just shows my immaturity. Like, <laughs> yeah. Remin? Yeah, I think for me, like, uh, it was either fire or have children. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you chose fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I decide to have kids then, okay, la, I don't fire. La, right. Uh. And I do know comfortably like I can afford kids now. Mm. Right. But I think, I guess now it's a matter of like, Am I ready to give out that freedom? You know, you know what I mean? Uh maybe this sounds very selfish, like, but I think for me, like I did NAS, went to the degree, everything, then like, I started work at 25. National service, meaning you, you served yeah. the army, yeah. like, conscription. Yeah. yeah. I was like broke most of my life, eh? like, you know, uh 25 to 32, which I am now, right? Most of it I spent working. Then like past two years, like COVID hit. And then that you then like now you say like, oh, you want to have children. I feel like, well, is that what life is? You know, I really haven't like enjoyed life, you know, to the point that I feel like <laughs> so really Actually, good. some would argue that that is what life is, <laughs> that you reproduce. <laughs> I right? know, but still, still, it's like, huh? That's it. Uh, I only get to have this like short window of uh, seven years. And most of it, I spend being broke and working very hard. Yeah. And, like, and now, now you want me to enter this new, new life where I have to have a lot more responsibilities. I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite unfair. Like. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think we like, still want to play. Uh, maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe we still want to play like in, in a very childish sense. Wait, and do I, you guys have kids? Actually, both of you? you no, not me. Uh, I, I've got oh, two. But John has. La. Yeah, I got two. So I was just joking with uh, with MJ. I always envy people who have gap years in universities. You know, one of the best <laughs> things I, I learned. Gap year in university. You know, before they go uni, they have a uh -huh. gap. You know, in the US, it's very common to have a gap year. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But what's that got to do with kids? Oh, okay. 
so something similar to what you guys have just both uh, said lah in a sense yeah, play that, a bit before the next yeah, one yeah play a bit before yeah so but oh. yeah but I think circumstances were different I, I'm very lucky uh, I got married quite uh, I mean quite young by today's standards 29 28 wow. yeah 28 29 but I've been with my my then girlfriend for about nine years. I yeah, see. Yeah, so I, it's. I, I actually have the suspicion, uh, and yeah. and this is not something that I can prove that that kids also uh, give you a sort of uh, a new level of gratitude and oh, yeah? and and, and yes. you know whatever like bliss or joy or whatever. It's not exactly happiness. Yes. Because parents don't have happy, like satisfaction. <laughs> like, I think that's what it is. I think you hit the nail. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a lot of frantic, like oh, you do this, and then yeah. a lot of just eating dinner quickly, and then you know, like not having an idea. But you look back and you are proud of yes. your kid, and and it's also the thing about having something in life that is more important than you. Exactly. And it's something that I think you cannot access until you get there. And I, like, I have mentors, for example, that are old, that are single uh-huh. and a lot of them are very lonely yes yeah it is a very common thing that i see in, in older people that have not have kids so i also a bit scared of that yeah but you see that's a selfish reason to have kids yes i yes. say that openly i'll get whacked left right center <laughs> and i had been whacked before for even saying this point yeah you know? yeah really? i'm not saying this is the truth or that this is the reason why i'll have kids yeah but i do see that that the ultimate satisfaction that you can't access otherwise. I, I think it all comes in a baggage and, and MJ knows this and I think Fyral was a good, uh, what do you call it? Um, it's a good combination because we get flexible hours and we all, but more importantly is this, I, I, and this is an analogy given to me by my friend and she said, right, just imagine yourself working really hard, making good money, let's just say, but you come home to an empty house. Right. It's big, it's nice. It's big, it's, it's nice, clean. it's clean, right? Uh, but then no one no no one is looking forward for you to come home. So two days ago, I was, I think this past few weeks, we've been working really hard, just podcast guests back, uh, back to back. And then I came home 6.30, at 7. Uh, my son, who is five, he says, Daddy, it's dark already. Why you come back so late? <laughs> So it was kind of hilarious, but at the same time, it's like there's that innocent that someone remembers you. I don't know whether it's making yeah. sense or not. Well, actually, you can get a pair. That kind of solves that aspect of the problem. But I also understand what you mean. I'm being a bit like cynical and then it's a joke, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying a pair is the same. Yeah. But also, like, um, I, I had a very similar kind of uh, thing. So I was walking, I was walking with my bike past the bridge, and then there's just this kid with his dad, and the kid just asked the question, like, Daddy, where does the water drain? Yeah. And and the way that that whole conversation then transpired, it warmed my heart for uh, the first time in my life I even <laughs> cared about something. And I, I maybe this is something like a glimpse of something that would change in me also. But I find as I age a bit more, I, I'm starting to find that there, there might be something to this that yeah. I might want to check out. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do it for your own, uh, do it for- Definitely. Your, yeah, for your own reasons. Uh. Not yeah. not because of peer, pre- peer pressure and everything. And you know, mm. even for for him, right? You know, uh, I'm pretty sure if you guys don't have girlfriends or whatever, Hey, how are uh? you know? I mean, for girls, it's gonna be worse. I'm pretty sure your your girlfriend. Oh, try, yeah, yeah, please, 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 please. not attached. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, yeah, not yeah. attached. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, please. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. No, no, no. no. You might get cancelled if you keep going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But but actually, one of the things I learned from uh, John was uh, very interesting. So when we all talk about personal finance, it's very nerdy, and as you know, we talk about inflation and things like that, right? So what he taught me was that actually when, especially when you have a family, your inflation is not determined by the CPI. <laughs> yeah. 
Is it determined by your kids? How how so? Milk okay. powder. Milk powder. Education. Things like that. But that's you, CPI, isn't it? That's the consumer price. The no, 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 no. Okay, let me give you an example uh, to highlight oh, what yeah. MJ just said, right? You have, I'm pretty sure you have friends who have kids. Okay? Yeah, yeah. The father can eat the one, $1 ice cream, but the kid will have Hagen dust. Oh, then just tell your kid you cannot have Hagen dust. You think you <laughs> no, want the, a rich the, man, uh, huh? But, but that's the point I'm trying to say. Yeah. Right? Because you only have one or two, <laughs> the inflation right. rate is actually determined by your kids. Like oh. what you say, your, your friends and all, well, sent to. Five year old sent to Juliet. Juliet. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's 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 very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh I don't do you have more questions? No, no, no. Please. I only have one last one is really how do you guys personally um invest? Yeah. Right? How do you because at the end of the day we are pers- in, uh, investing channel and we want to know like what do you like, right? Because Raymond alluded to a bit about diversification just now. And uh, how do you guys diversify if you're diversified at all? Oh, I, I save her because cause I, I, I'm really bad at this stuff. <laughs> and, and, and it, I, I'm always very scared to tell people who know what they're doing like you guys. No, no really, we were still I learning. Noob, yeah. I noob until like, I cannot noob anymore. Okay, yeah. I'm just learning every day. So what I do is I put most of mine in uh, uh, S&P 500. Okay. Uh, I I also, when I was stupider, I bought individual stuff. I mm-hmm. bought like Alibaba last time. Okay. Uh-oh. I bought, uh, then recently, uh, just before I went, I bought a, uh, MS China, the 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 ETF for China, MSCI for la. China, MSCI, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and then it just went down. So yeah. my Alibaba is down AF, my my, my Alibaba <laughs> is really down, and my my MSCI China is down. But the the SP five hundred is still tanking la. It's tanking most Recently, of it. Recently, yep, that's right. Yeah, so I also play a little bit here and there, like one K, two K here and there, that kind. Of, like I I buy little things here and there, like Tesla, uh, Disney, mm. uh, things like. That, like. I also bought Zoom stupidly because it was it was it was but it was a stupid buy like. so so I have a lot of mistakes but the mistakes are not big like because they are they are quite small percentage. Uh, mostly I just DCA into the SP five hundred. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a world one, but I have no compelling reason to do that yet because my capital is not huge. I see. Then uh, recently I also put a little bit into crypto, but I just do a. Uh, split between uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and it's not right. more than 5% of my portfolio. No, no Shiba Emu for you. Well. Sorry? No Shiba Emu for you, right? No, no, no. I didn't touch <laughs> any of that. So I, I like to call myself risk averse but actually recently Rimming corrected me. I'm not risk averse because I'm investing in stocks and stuff. Mm. So I'm not actually risk averse. I, I just feel very, I think in the, the kind of circles that we keep and the kind of like YouTube channels I subscribe to, the kind of Facebook groups I'm in, I feel very conservative. Mm. But actually compared to the average person, I, I'm okay, okay. You know, but but I've made a lot of stupid mistakes on that. But most of it is just index for me. Yeah, that's it. Right, right. But before we go to Rumi, I just want to ask also, right, the, uh, in, in Malaysia, we have the EPF, which is the CPF equivalent. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people actually rely on that. So they they, they think EPF is going to take care of them. Do you feel the well, same? 6% first? is it? What's the percentage roughly? Five, 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 five to six. To six uh, on yeah. a good year, probably right. six. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do you all feel the same as well for Singaporeans where they, re, they, they say, you know, CPF is the safest, it's going to take care of us? Actually, most of the voices that you hear, okay, not most lah. The loudest voices you'll hear about CPF comes from people who don't like the government. And they will say that the mm. CPF, is, because in Singapore, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it works in Malaysia, when you can withdraw and stuff like that. But for Singapore, you can only withdraw past a certain age. I think it's 65, Six. right, Rimi? Oh, 65. Oh, 65. Oh. Ours yeah. is 55. 50 55. for half, right? Something F- like. 50 for half, 55 no. for full. But now yeah. I think they're going to switch to 55 for half and then 60 for full. 
So right. it's still, uh, yeah, it's still uh, uh, age uh, pivot. Uh, yeah. yeah. But you see, Singapore is very young. Singapore is what? I don't know how many years. Not even like, not even 60, 70 years old. Like, really. like, how old is Singapore? Well, 1965, right? 1965, yeah, I think so. Three or yeah, five. So, yeah. so, so it yeah. hasn't come to fruition yet where you see it or people actually the, the age come, then they cannot withdraw or mess. Uh, then people say, oh, the government really. So, I mean, honestly, Singapore government is rated as a triple A uh, financial kind of a thing, entity or whatever. So, it's pretty okay, la. You know, in Singapore, I think the interest rate is about five, uh, four to five in the special account that you cannot touch, mm. and uh, it's it's pretty pretty okay. I've heard yeah. a lot of foreigners say they want to you know become Singaporean yeah. just to get access to it. So in Singapore, like the government made us sign up for CPF Life, which is like an annuity thing. So they pay for the rest of your life. Mm. Right. So you must have like X amount in your account when you turn fifty five. Then you they let the money roll for ten years. And you get money for the rest of your life, eh, which is pretty, pretty, pretty decent. It's like a lifetime pension plan. Uh. Yeah. So I think for like, I, I was looking at it, I think for 288k or something, mm. you can pay, pay us around like 2k a month for the rest of your life. Wow. Mm. Which is more than enough. Yeah. To I, survive. I, think, I think that's pretty good. Just for like a base level of living. Then maybe your own investment, then you just try to tahan, I mean, try to provide one or 2k more. Yeah. Then I think like, you will be set already. I mean, of course, you know, Along the way, some people will not be able to achieve that. But I think for most people, I think relying on the CPF, at least for uh, a minimum standard of living, mm. I think is is very viable. You you don't expect it to like you know fund your extravagant holiday lah, right? If you want to live like I don't know like a sultan or what, then probably not. <laughs> yeah. Live like an everyday humble city goer. I yeah. I think fine. I think it's very reasonable. What what is a reasonable uh expenses per month in Singapore for a single person or even a attached but no children? Yeah, attached but no children. I read like okay, so according to like the official study is around like I think one point three, right? One three nine seven, so around oh. dollar, right? Mm. It's quite reasonable for a person to and and this budget includes like holidays, you know. Wow. Now, for for retiree like, for retiree. Okay. Yeah, I would think for a working person, median salary is about three point five k, something like that. Okay. Oh, no, median salary is, is three point nine. Four point five. Four point five. Four point five. Right, right. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, but I mean, I when I was doing my fire thing, I I spent like five hundred a month. It was it was very hard, but still doable. Mm. Personally, I think like for me, I find it very very difficult to spend anything above uh three k a month. I see. If I if I want to spend three k a month, I'll have to. Take special effort. To <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, oh my god, I must buy this thing so I can cross my my three k budget. But usually, I average around like two two k a month. Like ah. now, like, once I reach like financial uh, stability. I see. I see. I see. Um. So yeah, I think I think we yeah, did get uh, uh, remains answer yes, on how correct. how do you uh, um as the finance guy right uh, the finance how do you invest of uh, the works I How do you how do you invest? Yeah. So I think. The core of it is based around like, you know, like the, the classic uh, John John Bogle, you know, um, okay. like low-cost uh, investing. Yeah. But I've also prepared for like a scenario where that doesn't work out. Like, you know, like the whole index funds, like hypothesis, you know, blah, 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 it's nonsense. Ha, ha. But I think it's unlikely but possible. Hang on, like, someone my dog. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sorry, can I edit it out later? Yeah, no, no worries. worries. No worries. Is it, is, it, is it food this time? Yeah, it's food this time. Nice, nice. <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, I also buy into different asset classes. So, I own like... uh, So, S&P 500 is like mostly exposure to US market, right? Yeah. So, the Singapore part of my portfolio, because it's not good to be too geographically concentrated. So, that yeah. part of me is... Uh, that, that part of my portfolio is covered by uh, Singapore private property, which is uh, real estate. Mm. So, it's, it's kind of like what my parents did. So, I always like love... Love my dad. Hey, you know, I, I copy you. <laughs> so, uh, right now it's like, I think 30, 30 of, of, of my portfolio. Okay, 30%. 30%, 30%. Yeah, 30%, 30%. Yeah, then uh, the rest will be, just let me look at my spreadsheet. The rest wow. is like, yeah, <laughs> insurance, cash. Uh, I think that is around another 30% roughly. And then the rest of it is in, in, in crypto. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I, right, I right. heard him use the word Terra just now, MJ. Is it Terra or Tesla? I heard Terra. Terra, Terra, Terra. Oh, so you're in Terra? Okay, <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Okay, okay. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, like, this is the amount of money like, I'm really to, to lose. La. I mean, yeah. yeah, because I was just joking about with someone today, you know, like, it's entirely possible in 2030, we will go laugh at like, you know, hey, remember last time people invested in, in this thing called crypto? Then they put so much money, and then now, now it's zero. Ha, ha, ha. And in the same yeah. way that we used to talk about how the world was ending in 2012. I think mm. like that is a definite possibility, even though I would not like that to happen because mm. I mean I, I put in money after all. But yeah. I, it is very possible that uh crypto eventually becomes like this this hype train that everyone got on, but actually it was nothing. Mm. So the cryptos that we invest in today are not the ones that survive in, in yeah. the next century. Yeah. Because each crypto project is effectively like a small cap stock without much adoption or growth or new customers. Right? Correct. And it's experimental. Yeah. Everyone's just aping and doing right now. So that's how I think of it. I think of, I think of the crypto market as uh, pre-dot-com bubble. You know, everyone put a, a dot-com behind a company name. They became an internet company. Mm. So I, I like to think of like crypto market as something like that right now. Mm-hmm. The only thing that has like real use or like a reasonable use case or use case is, is Bitcoin like, if you as a hedge against inflation. Everything else, you know, like uh Ethereum, yeah, I think in theory it sounds good, but we have to see, we have to wait for, for the situation to develop. Yeah. So yeah. so in some ways, like sometimes I get a bit like salty, like, hey, why why didn't I invest in in, in uh, Ethereum or, or Bitcoin all those years back? But I think as an investor, you must consider like what is reasonable to you before investing. And like all these hindsight games are actually quite like quite meaningless. Like you just yeah. what is reasonable uh chance of success and what is reasonable is always changing. So as Ethereum, as the other like uh layer one blockchains or even like the metaverse becomes more reasonable for me to invest in, mm. then to uh put more money in there. But for the moment, there's my portfolio. Right. I, I try to have like uh my goal is to have like a fire amount. Uh, you know, like a fire number in each asset class. Yeah. So, in any like bad case scenario, I'll, I'll be okay. Lah. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you must achieve fire four times or five times. Okay, so I need... So, okay, so it does sound like it, yes, but actually it's less times because the, the assets grow in value. Man. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I, I have one more thing. I think this is something that a lot of people... So, you know, I check with my, my friends and all that and obviously they know about the books I remember and... The immediate reaction always, right? Uh, this is among Malaysian Chinese. Well, it must be making bang, man. It yeah, must yeah. be. 
It must be balling out now, right? Before <laughs> before the the <laughs> before the before the the fame and all that. So tell us, you know, are, are you balling out now? It's hard to talk about money uh, in explicit terms and I would love to yeah. because uh, I, I always felt like th this was the case when I just graduated. Then I asked my seniors like, hey, how much are you earning? Ah? Like, can you just give me a good gauge so I don't like spoil the market also by <laughs> yeah, charging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would never tell me. So when I, I came out, right, I, I would, I swore, right, that any senior, uh, any junior that asked me about Marseille, I would just tell them. And I do still. Wow. Okay. I will tell them. But it's hard for me to say it publicly. Mm. Because, because right, publicly meaning it's on there, right? People can take it and then just present it. Yeah, I'll So one example, right? One example, I wrote once about how my first job actually was the 1.6K web designer role that I told you all yeah, about. Yeah. Then after that one year, right, I went to study uni and then I, I studied animation in school. Then I also got a master's of animation. Which actually, it sounds impressive, but it doesn't mean anything. Right? It's just I wrote a 27,000 word paper and, and it was submitted <laughs> onto the database. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. It's been helpful to me when it comes to like getting a, a higher salary because master's. But actually, honestly, I don't use much of it in terms of the technical things that I learned. Mm. It's more about argumentatively, how do I prove a point, things like that. I understand. So I wrote a story about how I repaid my, my $25,000 undergrad debt on one of our comics. And wow. in the presence, in the in the air of being completely transparent, I said that uh, when I finished my master's and I came on my first job, I earned $4,000 a month. Uh. And there were so many people right, that dismissed the thing because of that. They said, ah, yeah, you got master's, come out first job, 4K. And then they just dismissed the piece based on that without understanding wow. that, hey, do you understand my first job was 1.6K or not? Yeah, wow. yeah. Do you understand that I studied six years to get this kind of salary? I understand. Do you understand that I was headhunted and I also had worked for this company, Mothership, previously as a freelancer, so they kind of know my value and they asked me to join them. Mm. And I had a friend inside, his name is Harry Ming, who helped me to also get the job <laughs> and recommended me highly. There's so many contextual things to, yes, to yeah. tell people about how I work. So, when it comes to the idea of balling, so balling is expressive, right? Balling means I am showing the money. Yeah. Certainly not, like, we don't ball like that. <laughs> the only thing we ball on is bicycles, maybe. Because we <laughs> ride bikes. Cannondale? No, I have a, I have a, I have a Canyon yeah. and Rayming has several bikes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Rayming? <laughs> what? what bikes do you have? I have uh, I have a Kona unit. So that's like, uh, because I do a lot of uh, bike touring and, and cycling. Uh... Yeah, so and, and also Remy has a titanium bike, which you think like, oh, balling. But his titanium bike, right? He yeah. go OEM factory and he make himself wow. like, he tell the manufacturer to make to his size. Wow. Even that one, he kiam until like that, you know? <laughs> this kind of thing, I also won't kiam. Because I think, wow, titanium, you're going to spend big bang. I'll just rather get from a proper manufacturer. Yeah. So he go and find the factory and then he made it himself to wow. get <laughs> That's how unballing he is like. Yeah. But when it comes to money, yeah, we're making good money, I think for now. Okay. And it's very hard to say because like, the instability, I don't know when we'll go out of business. I don't know when the money will stop coming in. But I think I put it this way. Like, like if we, if our clients suddenly all stop coming to us, right, mm. I think we can roll for about a year or two That's without excellent. having to worry so much about our business. Like. Yeah. Because we don't see it as balling, we see it as war chest. Yes. We are keeping it so that in case anything hits us, whether it's a cancellation wave, people misunderstand something, we say, oh, we make a mistake or something. We have enough to make plans and, and either change or move on or, or just write it out. Great, H happy that That's you guys are, are where yeah. you are. Yeah. For now, for now, who yeah. knows? Yeah, I, I got some things that I, I, I do feel like I, I spend on, which I think like quite quite decent. So I, okay. I, I did music recently. You did? Uh, LASIK, LASIK. Okay, LASIK. Okay, okay. Okay. LASIK. Yep. Man, why, why didn't I do it earlier? I mean, yeah, cause I call it broke, obviously. So yeah, but I think like, uh, I did LASIK 
I think mostly investment for my health. I want to do like braces this year because I have this teeth that like always has like food stuck below them. My gum is always bleeding. So I think like mostly the money that I've made, I will use it to invest in my health so I can live longer. And mm. uh, I think nothing too fancy. In the uh, I, I did take a, a holiday to to Germany during the the VTL, but like I think we spent like still conservative like, based, based on what I see. Uh, yeah. Other people. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what my advice is? Video games. Oh, I play video games and, and I get to the point now where if I want to buy a video game, I don't even wait for discounts now. I just buy it. <laughs> but usually, you know, video games are like, at, at max, they're like, what, $60? Yep. And then they would take me like, what, 30 to 40 hours to beat. I don't buy any old nonsense. Like I also read reviews and stuff. So time-wise also, because it takes me time to beat the game, yeah. I can't yeah. buy all of them. <laughs> so, so that uh, sort of keeps me in check. Like, well, sorry, what games? Quite guilty. Sorry? Well, what games are, are you playing now? I, uh, I play a lot of Overwatch last time. Now I'm playing this new game called Back for Blood, which is like a left for dead kind of thing, which I just absolutely oh. love. Like. Yeah, I spent a lot okay, of time okay. on there. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find the question that Ian had for them. Yeah, we have a, we, we had a, a oh, one of our, wow. our guys who uh, work with us yeah. actually has a question. Question. That's yeah. it. I think we have to scroll quite far. Yeah, la. I have to scroll quite far. I hope I can find it. It's okay. Take your time. Don't worry. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Because hmm. uh, he he actually suggested, and that when he suggested, I already contacted Wei Chun on 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 LinkedIn, so it's kind of like coincidental. And then we said, oh, oh we're bringing him, uh, uh, we're bringing you guys on, and then and then he said he had a question. So, oh man, nice it's okay, you can slowly find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will unpack my Yoshinoya. <laughs> Yoshinoya, you got Yoshinoya near you. Yeah. Oh. Vivo City. I thought they closed down earlier. There was one at uh, Somerset that is no longer. Oh, Harbour Front Center. So it's the not so good Vivo City beside right, right. the commonly mistaken. It's the in Vivo the, City. But the poor man's. No, I don't say okay. that. Don't say. Okay. <laughs> no, this part can be edited. Uh. Actually, you know, yeah, you, you know about the part where Wei Chun, you said about your salary. Uh, when I disclosed my salary publicly on the channel, yeah. Uh, people was also thinking I'm flexing. So you said, like what I said, uh, be damn yeah. if you do, damn if you don't. Uh. So it's, it's oh, uh, this guy, oh, of course. Uh, he the flexing thing is very real. I yeah. understand it too. I understand why I might come across like flexing. Yeah. Who um, flex? No, so he was talking about salary. Uh, like if you talk about your salary, just in the the context of trying to share and yeah. to help people understand your, your context better. Actually, the context, people can think it's flexing. Yeah, actually my context was sharing was that I had to develop the courage to actually leave such a high salary job mm. to be able to start something. And when, when mm. I left, it was, uh, I was paid 50 to 60K a month actually when I left. Damn. <laughs> ring it. Uh. Yeah, oh. ring it, ring it. Yeah. So, wow. so, so people think, you see, if people don't know the context, they'll think yeah. I'm flexing. But yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah. to give courage to people that says, hey, I even had a very secure job. I was yes, getting even yes. more. And here I am. I'm, I'm, I, I, I we're, we're just doing content. We're just doing, doing content, for free, right? You know? Podcasts for free. <laughs> we're, we're drawing, I'm drawing 6K a month. Yeah. I'm like, what? So, wow. so, so it's like, it's a one tenth of, uh, you know, so. You we, know. we draw 4K a month, but sing dollar. Yeah. 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 Uh, I can't find it. Yeah, I, I, I will. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pass it in, in private, lah. We'll un- uh, okay, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll edit this part out. Yeah, yeah but guys, whoa! I, uh, I watch a few of your, your, your 
podcast or interview before. I don't think they're ever two hours long, right? Yeah. Or maybe maybe they, they are. But you know, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, usually we end by asking people where they can find you, but I don't think we need to ask that question. Like, huh? <laughs> no, Ania, Ania, we're not that big, dude. Like, we uh, Facebook, la. they're on Facebook, guys. We're on so. Facebook, but also check out our YouTube. We're kind of trying to grow it. We, we like long form content in this. And I think you guys did it very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you. you, you, you I, I feel like we, we we had a good kind of a vibe going and it was really cool to talk talk and just chill. You know, yeah. and also talk about, it's very hard to find like, like, like people that you can talk to about financial stuff without going one way or either too nerdy or like, you know, people don't understand you. Yeah, you know, like, yeah and, it, and, really cool. and sometimes you end up educating the person a lot, which is fine, but uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a conversation. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, guys, for those of you are listening, I'm 100% sure you got a lot of value out of this podcast. And of course, if you enjoy this sort of content, remember to like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube and all followers on Spotify and uh, guys, see you guys in the next. Uh, yeah, podcast. we forgot to thank them. Thank you so much, Wei yeah. Chun and Raymin. Thank uh, you, thank we, you. We really enjoyed the chat, and you know, see you in the next video. 